welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. So, just so you know, the PowerPoints got released on Tuesday. We recorded the bulk of this episode on Monday night. But with the PowerPoints being released, Leela and I felt it was very important to get that in. And so, this PowerPoint discussion is PowerPoint discussion only. We'll talk about that here at the beginning. And then afterwards, you'll hear the little... Uh, I don't know, break, guitar break. <laughs> we'll hear Graham play the guitar. Yeah, Graham will play now. the guitar for us, and then that will take us into the rest of the episode which we recorded. So we're not going to do an Aaron Judge special because who cares about being seventh all time in home runs? Um, it's a Yankee record. <laughs> cool. Um, let's okay. So let's talk about it, right? Let's start class yeah. one, yeah. Region B. Buffalo Gap is the two seed at four and one. They have 19 points. That puts them ahead of Riverhead. So obviously Leland, uh, as a Riverhead's homer, how do you feel about being the second best class one team in the area? The the one reminder I always throw at people (laughs) about these PowerPoints is that this system is set up on a full season's worth of games. And so even when Riverhead's is a mile out front in other seasons, you know, it's based on a whole complete season and that's how these, points are set up so riverheads has a bulk of their schedule ahead of them so does buffalo gap and so whoever wins this game this week and we'll talk about it here in a few minutes on the podcast you know that that will put them in the driver's seat for you know the second or potentially going into the first spot and uh but the other team's going to stay right there because both of these teams are going to win multiple games the rest of this way and seeing the gap of the average of 18-5 from the third spot to 15-0 to the fourth spot tells me that's very likely, you know, Riverheads and Gap will finish in the top three as long as they win expected games. Even if sure. even if they lose, even if there's, you know, one of these teams is about to lose a game this week, um, but even if one of those teams loses another game, and, you know, I know you're going to say that's Buffalo Gap, uh, they would still be in a good position to still be in that top three. So that's the great thing. The top two seeds get the buy, so that's a crucial thing in this region. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess I hadn't been paying attention to Central Lunenburg this year being 6-0. and I was looking ahead at their schedule, and, you know, they might not lose. And so that might mean a region championship game doesn't happen in Augusta County. It could mean that Buffalo Gap or Riverheads would have to travel down there. Again, I know what you're going to say, which team that would be. I mean, that's possible, and that's the way the rating systems work. So, uh, yeah, I'm not – I mean, as a Riverheads homer, I'm not worked up about this. Uh, also, knowing the fact that they play each other this week is another reason not to be worked up. It's all going to take care of itself. Yeah, and I think, you know, for Riverheads, the the majority of their riders are still ahead of them, right? So it would have been nice to get the riders from that Lord Botetot game if they could have won. But They're still going to keep up picking. I mean, they, they you do get riders. You only get it's one, not as though. much. Yeah, right. You it's not as one much. instead of two, and right. Lord Botetourt sitting there with one loss, and they're number one in Region Three uh, D. Um, they'll continue to get riders from all the teams they play, but just not the two, and uh, like they would. But right, yeah, it's they got a plenty of points ahead of them. So does Buffalo Gap. Both teams do. Right. Um, and so I think the other thing to look at Leland is when you're looking at Class Two. On the flip side, yes, it's based on a whole season's worth of games and a whole season's worth of stuff. But Stewart's draft being six, man, this Stanton game is even more important now because that's a ton of riders you pick up, and it's a Class 3 team that you pick up. 
So it, yeah. there's a lot riding on this game this week for Stewart's Draft. Not saying if they lose, they're going to miss the playoffs, because I don't believe that. But if they lose, I do think the hope of Stewart's Draft hosting a playoff game goes out the window. Yeah, I, I think that would be tough. Now, there is, you know, it's pretty tight there from third to seventh, um, you know, is within, you know, a point and a half sure. of average. There. And, so, and those and bull run now. teams will play each other, right? So, and then what your draft's going to hope for is they beat up on each other, not, you know, right. not no one, one dominates. or two of them kind of run away. They're, they're going to want the triangle or even the four teams there on the top from the bull run kind of beat up on each other and each one of them take a loss at different points. And that would kind of get Stewart's draft, you know, right right in there somewhere if they're able to win a bunch of games but the biggest thing for Stewart's draft sitting at six it's all about just winning you know like you just lost to the team that's sitting on top of this region you're you're gonna have to you don't have more losses to give if you want to host a region uh a region game so get to winning and that'll take care of itself but uh yeah they're gonna be challenged I mean they just got challenged this past week we're gonna talk more of that in a minute um but every week now you know there's Stanton, Wilson, <laughs> uh, Riverheads, Gap, all of them, Fort Defiance, all of them are going to challenge them. And so, you know, if you win all those, you'll be sitting in an okay spot. Yeah, and in terms of power points, like Stanton and Wilson are worth more power points so far this season than Stewart's right. draft. So uh, beating Stanton would be great. You know, beating Stanton five, would be great. That's five, five wins. Right that's there. five wins you get right there out the gate. Yeah. Um, so that's a huge game for them. Wilson would be four. Fort right now is sitting at three. Um, they're on the outside looking in in large part because I think of that Rockbridge game. I mean, they're behind them. Rockbridge isn't in the playoffs either, but I mean, Rockbridge right ahead of them. Yeah. So let's go ahead and, um, and I, I agree with you, right? Like Stewart's draft, you just can't be giving away games at this point. Like Riverheads is kind of the only other game you can lose. If you want to host a playoff game, I'm not even sure you can host two right now. Uh, two region playoff games with the way the season has yeah, shaken. It's be hard out. to get in that top two. I mean, they, they really have to have those top bull run teams beat up on each other. And I think in, in large part, you're going to have to have the bull run teams beat up on each other. But in addition, after you beat Stanton and Wilson, you're going to need those teams to only lose to each other and then go on tears, which I just don't think is necessarily yeah. going to happen. Um, it's all district. So, I mean, you're all playing the same team. So it gets a little bit weird. You're sure. just going to want, if now that's You're the good thing, right? Like draft is <laughs> the bull run is all playing the bull run. Right. And draft is the only Shenandoah district team. So it's not like they have to worry about another Shenandoah district team getting the same riders they get. But right. the, the bad part is I look at all four of those teams from the bull run district that are ahead of them. And I think they're all better than they are. So uh, now Clark County might be the worst of them. And maybe you could jump Clark County and get to host a yeah, Clark County is my first doubt. But and you're hoping and Buckingham have another game with one of those teams too. So. Yeah. And you're hoping Buckingham slips up again and falls behind, but yeah, but you got to win yourself. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the thing. That's, that's the thing. If you win, take care it, of it yourself. Care of yep. Yeah. Um, but in three C Stanton is four right now, which is great for Stanton. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that is the ceiling. I think four is dream best case scenario for Stanton. I don't even think they're going to end up there. I think they're probably going to be a five. Um, Just because you look at those three Seminole teams, it's going to be hard to see where Stanton jumps them. They're not getting a ton of riders from the teams they've beaten so far. Seminole teams still got to play each other. Yeah. So if Stanton can kind of get to that second team in the, if Stanton can beat Stewart's draft and then be that, you know, carry that throughout the season, maybe lose to Riverheads, but that's it. 
I, you know, because of Brookville and Heritage and Liberty Christian kind of beating up on, you know, like maybe Liberty Christian. There's a chance, but that's where you could get it up into like a three spot. Even if you don't beat draft, if you beat Wilson and you beat Ford, then maybe, right? I think they would need to only have one loss to be sitting at three because. Oh, yes, at three. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm talking about four. I I don't think they're going to be three. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah. If if they don't beat draft and and yeah, I think if they beat draft, maybe they could get to three. But I I also I will say ugh. last year with a similar schedule, and they were nearly in the playoffs with a losing record, <laughs> like they were right on the edge. So last year they were heavy. Now things got to play out this year with their riders, with the teams they've already played. So I you know I could see Stanton kind of you know, lean towards a spot higher than we might think there is. Is that four? Um, it could be. It could be. I, I I, think, you know, you have to project everything. I think losing a draft and Riverheads would make it very worrisome for them to be able to hold on to a home game in the playoffs. But I think I, I, it's possible. I think it's possible, but it would it'd be hard. Losing a draft and Riverheads? You don't know want, you know want spots would to go undefeated the rest of the way. No, which they might. Um. Right. So you think losing to draft and Riverheads, they can't even be four? I think that would make it pretty tough. It might take it yeah. out of their hands. That's well, okay. That's that is true. That's probably true. Um, and and again, that's due in large part to their earlier schedule. There's not a lot of riders there. Um, and this is projecting half a season worth of football, which the powerpoints. Yes, is really not built for. Set up for. <laughs> but Wilson, Wilson coming in at six in the inaugural powerpoints, um, I think that's Maybe probably, yeah, Wilson Stanton when they play. That will. That's the season finale. That's going to determine who gets that five, maybe. Yeah, I. Whew, it's a long ways from there. I mean. I assume Wilson's going to lose games between now and then too. So, I mean, I think the way I'm looking at those two teams right now is that season finale, instead of last year where it decided which team made the playoffs. I think, I think both those teams are looking a lot better to where it's going to decide playoff positioning and and it could decide who gets a home game or not, or a favorable matchup, or, you know, I think it's nice being in that five spot rather than being in that six, seven, eight spot where you're traveling. Six, seven, eight. If you have to go to a Seminole district team in that first round, you're done. Yeah, so six, seven, eight is a pretty tough place to be. So I think I think we could see Stanton Wilson playing for maybe a home playoff game, but maybe getting out of that seven, eight spot. And at getting that point. Spotswood, which isn't easy, but it's easier. Easier yeah. than Brookville Heritage or LCA. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying Stanton yeah. is some pushover, but or Spotswood is some pushover, but I, I would much rather play Spotswood than LCA Heritage or Brookville. Even Wilson having played spots wouldn't get handled by them. I, yeah, I'd much I rather be in a position to try to rematch spots. them. Yep. And, hey, guys. Just don't turn the ball over you know, Even times. though they took the foot off the gas, we'll ignore that part of the conversation. The second half, you played even with them. We can go do that again. You know, you'd have that opportunity. Sure. I, I think the other thing here, we already alluded to it with the loss to Rockbridge two weeks ago. It gets real yeah. hard when you're looking at math for Ford to get in. They gotta, they got to have to pick up a game we don't expect them to. I, I, I think they got to pick up two games. I think they got to pick up two games we're not expecting. Yeah. I'm not – I don't know. Maybe this is where you and I are disagreeing a little bit. I'm not sure I expect them to win any of their games remaining. I don't know. I don't know. Because aren't they all Shenandoah District games from here on out? 
Yeah, and it's Stanton, Wilson, Draft, Riverheads, and Gap. I um, I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't know if I at this point just say they're not going to win any more games. They don't. I'm not saying they can't win. I'm not. I'm just saying I'm not expecting it. Yeah. So I think they got to pick up two that I'm not expecting, not just one. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they win this week. So I, I don't know. Five don't and know. five, they have to be. I think they have to be five and five. At the, at I the agree. They got to find, they got to find some wins, and uh, yep. it's going to be tough in this, this part of the dis- this part. Yeah, I think five and five is where you have hope of making the playoffs. I don't think you have hope at four and six. That's dumb luck if you wind in, uh, wind up at four and six. So yeah, they, they got to find some wins. They got to find wins against i think they got to find two wins and then they got to beat somebody that we really wouldn't expect them to have beat i i you know especially at the beginning of the season and, like a draft or gap but i mean drafts not going to be as useful if if draft goes and loses this week they they become less valuable it's all about who you're playing how many teams they have beat their wins so uh it's going to be they're going to have to beat somebody better than them in multiple times I'm and sure. all these other teams have more wins than them now. So they're going to, they have to be <laughs> yeah, multiple. So that's what I'm saying. It's I, tough. I, I, I don't, I, that's where yeah. I get worried. Um, I, got there. I got there. Yeah. You were ahead of me on that one. You, you, they're they're going to have to be everybody <laughs> to feel good about themselves. And, uh, cause it's going to be, because tough the here. other aspect of this too, right. Is Broadway's one in four, but they're getting ready to go into district play. I don't know what the Valley district is. You're hoping they beat up on each other and no one runs away with that. Um, you're also hoping that the teams in the Jefferson district that are incapable of winning games, nobody beats up on all of them. Like you're hoping they kind yeah. of are you, all equally you're bad. You're really hoping Rockbridge doesn't win a Valley district game, which I think is possible. Yeah. Um, you're hoping, you're you hoping Broadway is going to take some beatings from the Seminole district, yeah. and, and, but you're going to have to find wins yourself. You're going to have to take, some, this isn't going to fall into your lap for defiance. I think last well, year, but here's the thing, right? They kind of need Liberty Bedford to win games too, because that's, that's a game they won. So they need Liberty Bedford to actually kind of do win. Just yeah. not win too they're, much. They're not, they're not gonna. No, I don't think so either. But I mean, you <laughs> look at don't look in that direction for wins because I, I don't think it, I mean, that's amazing. You One, look two, at 12 three, on down. Five, yeah, you look five, at 12 on down. That, no wow. win teams in 3C. That's bad. People, people bash some other regions for good reason. Uh, five winless teams. That's crazy. Now, now two of them are in the Jefferson. Three of them are in the Jefferson. So, yes, that's only, a bad district this year. You know, you would think only one of those is going to wind up endless, winless, but. uh, oof. Yeah, but yeah, the other aspect game. is the top three teams in the Seminole District are also in 3C, and those are monsters. If you're Fort Defiance, you're a huge Waynesboro fan right now. And sure. you want them to knock off as many Valley District teams as you can. And you know, maybe not Spotswood, but the rest. Have Spotswood beat the rest. Um, have Rustburg have a terrible rest of the way. And then you got to win games too. Like, you know, it's hand in hand. Like there's all this other stuff. I mean, this is, that's the problem. You're, you're hoping in two different directions now, if you're Fort Defiance. And that's exactly what that loss to Rockbridge County did for you. Cause you know, that game swaps, you don't necessarily swap spots right there. Cause they're only 0.6 apart from each other. They could be sitting in eight right now. I think if they win that Rockbridge County game, I, I mean, it's possible. So that was a big loss for them, but they'd still be on the edge even with that win. So it, yeah, they're going to have to have a lot go their way. But uh, for a team that, you know, we're happy to be talking about the idea of playoffs for them, that's, that's an improvement for this 
for his program, and I'm I'm happy for him. But you know, you're going to start next year with expectations to at least be this and be moving up, uh, especially with how much talent they got coming back. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that you start to worry about what's going to happen um, when you look at the the PowerPoints if you're a Ford Defiance fan, and then. You know, on the flip side for Wilson, I, I, Western Albemarle is getting ready to go in the district where they're already 2-0, and which is good news. But they haven't played Orange yet. They haven't played Louisa yet. Those aren't games I'm expecting them to win. I mean, what did I say for each one of these? I mean, we go through three yeah. regions here, and everything I say is you got to win. you got to win. There, You have half a season ahead of you. You know, once you get down to week 9 and 10 and 11, then you start maybe digging into what else you need to have happen. But for right now, for the next three weeks – Go win ball games, and you'll be where you want to be. If you want to win, if you win, you'll be where you want to be. Yeah, but I think that's the problem, right? When we're looking at the Shenandoah yeah. District, like some of these teams, it gets to the point where you're like, okay, well, you know, if you beat Riverheads, like, okay, well, that's not a good – that's like going into the exam saying, well, if I get 100 I'll, on this exam, I'll pass my I'll class. Pass class. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't gotten 100 yet. Like if you're, at, if you're telling yourself that, like – you're probably not in a position yeah. where 100 is a realistic gotta, goal. Like yeah. I'm failing now or I'm I'm in a an unacceptable to me grade range now. Everything I've done this season so far has put me into this spot. But yeah, if I knock off a number 1 team in the state kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, if I beat if I beat the best team in the area who's won <laughs> six straight state championships, like no problem. Um yeah. So yeah, that's where I start to get like like with Fort Defiance. Like I'm looking at them and I'm like, mm, "Okay, like not only do you have to beat Riverheads, you also have to beat some other teams that I think are kind of a lot better than you. Like, not, I'd say if there they is a everybody group of teams. bought Riverheads, they'll be in a good spot. Yeah, I don't think that's possible. I don't either. I'll just say that out loud. I, I started, I started there are teams on their schedule that I could see them beating. I wouldn't say they're the favorite, but I could see possible. But I think you got to win both of those that I think are possible, and then you probably you might need one more. Yeah, which team on here? Okay, you're you're saying beating Riverheads is kind of the pie in the sky for anybody. Fair enough. Yeah. Like, let's let's just take that as what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Who is the team that you think could beat everybody but Riverheads? Who is the team you most likely think could beat everybody but Riverheads? Most likely could beat everyone other than Riverheads. That's a great question, man. Because now you're asking me who I think the second best team in the district is, and I think that's right. kind of wide open. Um, I would say, who are you putting your money on? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Theoretically, who am I putting my monopoly money on? Undefeated Stanton, one loss Wilson, Gosh. one loss draft, Ooh. one loss cap. Oof. Who do you got? Oof. Man, despite getting <laughs> killed by Larray, I still I still want to say draft, but I don't know. Like they've been bad so many consecutive weeks. Now I'm thinking now I'm thinking I, maybe it is gap. They got to win. Yeah. I mean, then, then, so they could lose this week and then went out. I, I, that's exactly what I was going to counter with whoever you said, because I didn't think you would say gap. Uh, Cause you usually don't, I was going to counter with, Hey, what if gap loses this week and then wins out? I, I think that's possible. Then they're behind like, the way they played defense this last week, the way their offense got to rolling. I, I think it's possible for them to, to whatever happens this week happens, but I, I could see them winning out the rest of the way. I thought you might say Stanton. I thought you might say draft, but I was going to counter with gap, but, I, I, that's why I love the matchups this week. I love Stewart's draft and Stanton this week. Because that's a big game. Gonna, Wilson gonna, Ford's gonna, a big game. One of those teams goes away from that right there. You know, they didn't go undefeated other than Riverheads right there. So that's, that's the team we grasp onto after this week with an eye on gap. 
So I will say for Fort, I know we're saying it's still early. You know, don't panic if you're not where you want to be in the power ratings. I will say if Fort doesn't win this week, you can stop looking at power ratings. Oh, when do they play River? I mean, they play Riverheads, uh, not till Leland. Like, the second to last game. Leland. Right here. They play them in week nine. So before then, they have Wilson and Sand. You got to win the next two games. If you want to think you're making the playoffs. Okay, but that's what I'm games. saying. Like, I'm saying if you don't win Friday against Wilson, week. you can stop yeah. looking at power ratings because it doesn't matter. I thought you were about to say, when do they play Riverheads? I was like, Leland, that's, well, that's the, what I was saying. That's like, the, we're failing, but we need 100 on the exam. Like, yeah. that's, that's who nope. I'm talking about. I'm saying these next two weeks are must-win games. And, yes, uh, I would agree. I, you say this week's a must-win game, it'll roll right into next week with Stanton. Yeah, and I guess you got to win the first must-win game for the second one to even be a must-win game. Right. Because if, you lose, thing, if right. you lose to Wilson, that same game doesn't matter. You can win right. that game and it doesn't matter. See, Wilson's the tough one. If Wilson's going to be this team to do it, you have Fort Defiance this week, you got to win. Mm-hmm. And this is more Wilson trying to get up to like a host in a playoff game. Uh, kind of if they want to host, they got to beat Stanton too. Yeah, they got. And then I think they also so have to beat Riverheads and Draft. And I know River. Draft I think you got to beat Draft. Riverheads is Riverheads is a rivalry game, and that's a that's a rivalry that has produced some surprising wins for the team for the opposite team. Why we've seen that in the past. It wasn't that long ago. I remember Draft losing to Wilson uh, in a game you we never would have uh, thought that would have happened. So that, that's. give you confidence going into that game that switch draft might be even a touchdown. Maybe you can go to that game favor by the time you get to that point. But like, that's a, that's a game you're gonna have to win if you're Stuart draft. I mean, oof. that's, it's, it's awesome. That's what's awesome about this area is it's also tight and there's gonna be a pretty decent team sitting at home. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're saying, we're we, saying I, just, I think you just said who we think it is, but yeah, yeah. They, they can go prove us wrong. We also <laughs> thought that same team was only maybe going to win one game this year. Yeah. So. And they've won three. So good for them. Yep. All right. Well, that will do it for the PowerPoint discussion. Again, uh, we'll go ahead and play Graham's guitar riff, let him rock out a little bit, and then we'll start the rest of the episode. All right, Leland. It was a crazy weekend in high school football. Um, I I don't know, man. Looking to me, the biggest shock – you know, I think I, I alluded to it last week. I was concerned about the Larray game for Stuart Traff, but I'll be honest, I didn't see that coming. That's bad. That's 49 to nothing bad. And, and man, it, it calls into question all those questions we thought were answered. Two games into the season, we were like, oh, okay, draft is going to be, you know, kind of the normal draft. They're just reloading as usual. And now, after two not great games against subpar teams, and now this blowout against Loray, all of a sudden, the Buffalo Gap game gets called into question. You're wondering what happens when you play Stanton. You're wondering what happens when you play Wilson. Like, Stewart's draft, I mean, and forget Riverheads. Like, I've never given Stewart's draft a chance in that game, so that doesn't change. But message to the Stewart's <laughs> draft fans, if you thought you were going to beat Riverheads, that Loray game told you you don't have a prayer. Yeah, I mean, and... Some people might knee-jerk on this and be like, well, I mean, why would you say this is a normal Stuart Straff? Larray's a good team. I mean, this is the first regular season loss from Stuart Straff that wasn't to Riverheads since 2018. They have been absolutely dominant that also through to the regular season. Um, actually, it was like a season finale, I think, to stay. And they lost a lot of games in 2018. Oh, um, oh that's right, yeah. But anyway, 
Uh, you know, but still, like, I think Larray, they did lose early that season. I, I, I don't know offhand, but sure. Um, so this is different. Like, them losing a game in the regular season, not to Riverheads, is different. So right there, that is matched. But to lose 49 nothing, that's something, even in 2018 when it was a tough year for them and other years that might not have been this tear that they've been in since then, uh, they hadn't lost 49 nothing or something even like that since 2014. So it's been a long time. And, and the credit to Coach Floyd on what he's built there and then done, and not saying that he can't pick it back up, but they're dealing with a different deck of cards this year, and that's just been made clear these last three weeks. Um, I think we we have reason to believe Troy Thompson might be out. I you know I know we're people of reading facts to people. I just haven't been able to confirm that with anybody <laughs> um, in the last five days. So I think he might be out. But that said, that's not forty nine nothing difference. That's you know. That's a difference, but not nothing like that. So I, I will give credit to Larray. I'm not just going to completely dump on Stewart's draft here and say Larray must have something real going on there. You know, maybe maybe they don't go undefeated and win state championship or something, but like you can't rule that out because when you beat a team like Stewart's draft, a team that's done what they've done, I think anything's on the table. Now they immediately get tested next week with Central. So that's the story of Larray is in the or that's the story of Larray is that in the Bull Run district, they're just going to test it every week. So moving past that, back to draft, any question we ever had about Stewart's draft, we have new ones and more of them since these last couple games. And I'll I'll go ahead and say it. Like, I know you're saying, you know, to beat a team like draft 49-0, a team like draft that squeaked by Green River, a team like draft that struggled with James River, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's a team like draft that was only given up like eight points a game. And then to put 40. Okay. It's a team team. like draft that I don't think has played anyone. I said that I said that last week, who have they really played? We got to start wondering about that. I'll say it again. I'll say it louder. Draft hasn't played anybody other than Larray. They play one good team and they get their tails kicked. I I don't, I, I'm not sure the Stewart's draft team is the second best team in the Shandoa district. It's not, I mean, Waynesboro is not either, but I think that, Second best team in the district is back up for grabs. Yeah, I think it's open. I think when we go over our top six this week on the radio, uh, Chip already had brought draft out of it just with their offensive worries that they had had. I know you and I kind of stuck with draft because there's a little bit of, for my side, I need to see it (laughs) gone before I admit, you know, those top teams, if you've done something for three plus years, I'm just going to have to see it, you know, gone before I say it's gone. Um, 49 and nothing looks gone to me. Say again. 49 nothing looks gone to me. Yeah, that's gone now. (laughs) I don't think you heard what I said, but that's fine. Anyway, I it's it's a lot to be concerned about. I think Stanton has a really good chance as exposing them. Stanton coming off, you know, not a monster victory against Harrisonburg. It's a seven nothing victory, but in the weather kind of riding high. Maybe they kind of had to get woken back up here of, you know, 4-0 isn't going to win you the fifth game. You know, maybe that happens. They, they score on a passing touchdown from Darby to Keyless Smith. But this sets up 5-0 Stanton versus 4-1 Stewart's draft. The team that's, you know, ever, ever since Stanton went to the state championship game, they dropped back down. And then Stewart's draft has been in, their, been in that place, you know, that dominant other team than Riverheads. Well, here's these last two teams that have been dominant playing each other this week with Stewart's draft having all the concerns of the world and Stanton having all the confidence in the world. 
Yeah, and, and look, I will say this. Um, the 7 nothing score does make me hesitant to pick Stanton against Stewart's draft, I guess I would say, uh, in this matchup. But again, I mean, look, we've seen a Stewart's draft offense that has just struggled to put up points. The past three games have absolutely struggled to put up points. And this is a Stanton team, like you said, has all the confidence in the world. This is a team that we were thinking... They'll win two games and maybe that's it. Maybe if, you know, Fort's having a down year or something, they'll get three. I was thinking four or five. Yeah. Legitimately, I was thinking four or five. Okay. Well, that was you. I I, I was thinking three. Yeah. Um, They've already won five. They've already won their win total from last year. Yeah. They already have five. And man, I mean, draft looks way beatable now way more beatable now than they did a few weeks ago. You still have Wilson. You still have gap. You still have Fort. Like if you're Stanton, you got to be loving how your schedule shaping up. And I know Mikey bell is going to be telling his kids, this is, this is not a game that we don't have a chance in. And you know, I, I think if Walker Darby keeps playing like he has been takes care of the football, if they can find a little bit of ground game, and if Troy Thompson isn't there, I mean, yeah, that's going to help. I, I'm like you. I I don't think Troy Thompson accounts for a 49-point difference. Maybe Draft gets a touchdown if he plays. And maybe, you know, I don't know. If he was missing in this game, and I wasn't there, I, um, but if... I can't get anybody that was there to tell me. <laughs> yeah, but if he was, and if he missed the game, maybe... If we're being overtly generous, right? Troy Thompson accounts for 29 points or 21 points on defense. You're still getting killed. Yeah. If a, if you take a 28-point swing, you're still getting killed in that game. So, I, yeah, I'm not super I optimistic. Yeah, I, and, and I'm, I'm not even going to give it that much credit. I, I know that, no, really I'm not, not either. I'm just saying if I'm being yeah. super generous. Yeah, they had 46 yards in the first half. Like, yeah, okay, he doubles their offensive output. They have 86 yards and like two first downs. Like, yeah, that's not a change. That's not. So. That's not yeah. changing the outcome. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is a Stanton team that I think is definitely above expectations at this point in the season. A Stewart's draft team that four and one. You know, you look at the record, four and one's not that bad. And yeah, losing to Larray, who is a good football team this year, isn't bad in itself. But it's how two of those wins were not impressive. The loss was a demoralizing loss. It it does make you wonder how this game is going to pan out. And, you know, I'm still not sure what I'm going to pick on Friday night. But, man, I, I didn't think I would be going into this game saying Stanton's got a shot to be 6-0. I, I just didn't. If you told me preseason Stewart's draft comes in this game four and one after losing to Larray, I, you know, I don't know how to say I'm shocked, but then 49, nothing brings that pretty shocked factor into it. Like, I just didn't think that defense was capable of giving up 49 points. And especially after week two, you know, I know I said before the season, but like even early in the season, after things kind of got together, it's just, it's, it from where it was when we left that Waynesboro game, I'm, I'm shocked with this score. I'm shocked. I'm shocked with this. So I, I absolutely picking Stanton is absolutely on the line. 
Um, oh, this I might have already done. Team. I might have already done it last week on the radio. I got to go back and listen to what I said. <laughs> but I mean, it absolutely opens the door to make that pick on Friday, and for good reason. But this is a team that was a quarter away from losing to James River, and they needed all their points against James River in the fourth quarter to come back and win that game. That's that's yeah, not that's Stewart Strap. Yeah, that's what I'm saying with Stewart Strap. That's not yeah. impressive. Like this, this is yeah. not this. This is not you know your. Big Brothers, Stuart Straft. I mean, this is this is not a good team. Yeah, and this this also like they played Larray, who Gap played, and they played James River, who Gap played, and Gap's one of those teams that we keep talking about being in that mix of like who steps up to that second. Yeah, Larray killed Tra- Gap too. That's fine. Stuart Straft might not even drop down to third. They, they might they might carry down. I mean, oof, I I don't know. This is interesting. Yeah, Gap didn't it's lose to James River. Game. And they they kind of handled James River better. Um, they exactly lost to Larray. Yeah, they, they lost to Larray in a similar River, fashion. So and, I'm not. And Larray, they didn't get B49 nothing. It was slightly better. I think it was like 55 12, wasn't it? I think it was 42 7 or something. Oh, uh, well, slightly I mean. Slightly better is what I've said. <laughs> I feel like you're personal. Equivalent. <laughs> I would say equivalent. That's the same to me. At a certain point. Yeah, it's close enough, probably. But there's I mean, no just... difference there. Yeah. But. And yeah, that one kind of surprised us. Yeah. 43. Yeah, I hear you. Go ahead. Yeah, that's crazy. Stanton, though, uh, they win, and um, they get their first shutout since 2013. And for a Stanton team that, you know, I followed them while I was growing up and playing high school football, and that was a team that was usually priding themselves on some defense. And I'm not saying they had yearly, you know, sub- 10 points a game defenses, but they had tough defenses in that Valley district. That was tough back then. And to know that they hadn't shut somebody out since 2013, honestly surprised me. They never shut somebody out in that state championship run year. Um, And so good for them getting that. It was in September of 2013 against Bath County. Last time they shut somebody out. Um, And they've also held four opponents to 10 points or less. And that's the best of the local defenses. So of the, you know, of the whole district. So, in a district that usually has good defenses, like Stewart's Draft, like Riverheads, um, Gaps had their moments. Wilson's mm-hmm. had their turn. Stanton's, Stanton's taken their turn. And so yeah. I think that's awesome for this team. So I think they have a lot of the recipe there of what it takes to beat Stewart's Draft. Solid defense. And then on offense, having a, a, you know, a dynamic offense. Stanton has that. They have their defense playing very well this year. And then they also have a quarterback capable of throwing touchdown passes as he has done all year. I think he has eight now on the season. And then they, they have a running back. They have a running system. They have they didn't last year, but this year they have the running backs going. They have the fields kid making big plays out of the running back position. But they also are committed to that run game kind of consistently. It's not just spots. It's, it's you know, 150 yards out of this guy one week and a different guy next week. So they have the recipe. I like it. Yeah, Stanton's playing really well. I, Mikey Bell is the coach of the year. I, I'm, I think that one's decided. I can't imagine what would could change. And now I know we have all of our district, like the meat of the district play. Everybody's played Waynesboro, but now everybody's going to play each other. If if one team goes on some kind of tear, okay. But at this point, I would pick Stanton to go on that tear. So it's just I, I can't I can't imagine what it would take for him not to be coach of the year. All right. Let's move ahead. Um, 
stay, uh, one note, I, I did have this one out. Stewart's draft hasn't lost consecutive games since 2018. So, I mean, that's part of who are those teams? The, uh, that was Larray and Stanton. Huh. <laughs> and they lost to Larray last week. And stay, and if they lose consecutively, it'll be Stanton this week. That was to close out the 2018 season. Huh. So. <laughs> Wilson uh, has, they got to host Western Albemarle. And we're used to Western Albemarle being this team that's consistently winning playoff games and kind of has a bit of a force over there. And coming into this week, I kind of thought they weren't quite what they thought, what, what we're used to them being. And I also thought I saw little things in that Wilson lost to Spotswood that I, I, I was honestly encouraged by. Like it just didn't get worse and worse and worse. They kind of, you know, grounded themselves at some point in that game. And I, I wanted, I wanted to pick Wilson this week. So I did. And I was happy I did because they came out and took it to Western Armour winning 35, 14, but I think they were up 20, 28, nothing in that ball game. Um, they forced two interceptions. One of those was an early pick six um, scored on four possessions. In the first half. Yeah. 28, nothing at the half. Uh, we got a Pogorski touchdown pass Tabler and Tyree running for touchdowns. So, Wilson did what they wanted to in this game. That's how they want to win games. They want to, you know, put the pressure on the defense. They want to get the running backs going and they want their quarterback to have a moment. And he did. So I like that win a lot. I think even though Western's not the team we're used to them being, I still think that's something to hang your hat on. Hey, we went and beat Western all tomorrow. You know, that gives us confidence going into the bulk of this district season. And I really like this win for Wilson to be sitting at four and one. And, and really, when the season started, you'd be happy if, if you're Wilson to be sitting at 401. Here they are. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Spotswood loss still is in the back of my mind. And you're right. That second half gave you some encouraging signs, but that first half was bad. And there were some troubling signs there in that second half as well still. But I, I think what this game showed you, though, is when Wilson takes care of the ball, this is the kind of offense they can have. And yeah. That's what you need in the Shenandoah district this year is to be able to put up points. And that's why we're down on draft. That's why we're up on Wilson um, because their offenses are going in different directions right now. But Gorski, yes, huge game for him. Huge bounce back game that I think he needed to have. Um, I, I think that Spotswood game kind of, that was the one player that when we left the game, you and I were talking a little bit and I was like, well, that's, this isn't what got Wilson to three and zero. Like that's that's what we saw from Pogorski last year when they struggled. Was that Spotswood yeah. game this week? He bounces back in a big way. And yes, maybe Western Albemarle's not as good as we're used to seeing. But this was a game that I think wasn't out of the realm of possibility for Wilson to lose, especially coming off a tough loss to Spotswood. So I I do appreciate that those kids had the resilience and and the wherewithal to be able to bounce back and and find an important win against Western Albemarle at home. And I am very much looking forward to seeing what they've got coming up here in a huge matchup with Fort Defiance, which is another team that, you know, is coming off a disappointing loss. I, and I honestly like what uh, Wilson's coach in the post game was saying, like he, he said as much mm -hmm. uh, Bugden said as much about his quarterback last week, having some of those plays that weren't what they needed. And, and how not got not getting the ball deep enough on some longer throws and stuff. And he did this week, um, especially on the touchdown pass. So I, yeah, I like the honesty coming out of the coach there. And I like having us, you know, how that equated to his senior 
quarterback stepping up. And, they, and they're going to need him to step up against Fort Defiance because Fort Defiance playing solid defense this year, only giving up 20 points a game. Um, yeah, they had a disappointing loss at Rockbridge, but before that, they were kind of the talk of the town along with Stanton. And I, this is the this is a game that for a couple weeks now, I've just been like, who's going to win this game? I, I like this matchup. Because honestly, I don't know who has the side of the ball that's going to dominate the other side of the ball. I think it go either way. I think I know the offense for Wilson can do what it needs to against Fort Defiance, but will it? I know Fort Defiance has a defense to stop even Wilson's best efforts, but will it? You know, and then, and then flip that and talk about Fort Defiance's offense on Wilson's defense. I, I just I, this is going to be a fun game. It's a big question mark. Who's going to win this game? I think this is the hardest game to pick this week at this point because I think no matter what argument you make for either team, you can sit there and nod your head and agree with it. Yeah, I, honestly, I think this is going to be a fantastic week. Between Draft, Santon, and Wilson, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fort. I, I think this is a, a fantastic week for high school football in this area and gives folks you know options to go see a good football game because I, I'm like you. I think this is going to be a tight game. Um, I, I think Ford Defiance had a bye week, which they probably desperately needed after a heartbreaking defeat to Rockbridge County to to work on what didn't work in that ball game and fix it. Um, but this is a team that honestly, Leland, you know, it sounds cliche, but this is going to come down to the turnovers. I, if Fort Defiance takes care yeah. of the ball and Trey Miller and th- that young offense doesn't turn it over, Fort Defiance could easily win this game especially if on the flip side, they're stopping Podgorski, stopping that ground attack that Wilson's going to want to go to and force them to throw the ball. And then Podgorski makes a mistake or something. And on the flip side, you know, if Wilson doesn't turn over the ball, we don't see those bad snaps we saw against Spotswood. And we're looking at a mistakes from a young quarterback from Fort, like all that is possible. And I think that's, what's going to determine the outcome of this game. Um, So I, I think, this game is definitely going to be a one-score game, and I don't know, like I said, I don't know who I'm picking in the uh, draft Stanton. Yeah, and I think I'm encouraged by some of these, you know, Fort Defiance close wins that we have seen. You know, just, you know, they haven't ran away from really anybody. So, like, maybe they'll feel pretty comfortable in, in a tight game like mm-hmm. that. So, I, I don't know. You can really analyze anything in this game. Um you know, this is where Wilson's season kind of fell apart last year. They were sitting at four and one last year and then went one and five down the stretch. So I, I'm, I'm eager to see, you know, what's this first step after four and one look like this year? Cause last year it was a bad loss to Rockbridge in middle of a week and all that business that happened there, but it's going to be interesting. And I think Fort can put up the good fight there. Um, but you know, you can't ignore both of these teams being class region three C teams looking for playoff spots, and um, this this game's huge for both of them. I, more huge for Fort Defiance because they already have that second loss, but, you know, they'll be equal to Wilson. To, uh, if Wilson loses this game, they'll be equal to Fort Defiance and had lost head-to-head. So uh, not that head-to-head meetings really come into play in uh, PowerPoints, but it's just it's going to be a monster game. I think, you know, come second week in November, we're going to look back at this game and and probably – say that, well, this is what that meant then. So I, I think that this one's a monster. Yeah, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think this game is going to determine the kind of outlook the rest of the way for both of these teams. Yeah. All right. Buffalo gap. That's where I was on Friday and they just dismantled Waynesboro and gap, you know, kind of had what they, you know, they won like they should, they, they welcomed an Owen five team in the swope and, and just took care of them. 
Uh, they ran the ball like they want to, rushing for 401 yards, 322 of those in the first half. Um, their defense, defense was absolutely dominant as they only allowed one first down the entire first half and on into the third quarter. Um, and that was on the first series of the game. And uh, I think at halftime, Wilson only had like three yards. So it just absolutely dominant defense, great rushing attack. They got all their guys involved. Robertson running two long ones, Alfin just pounding and, and getting two, and then Hildebrand running one in himself. They even had Canterbury in the second half. He threw two passes in the game. Uh, one was to Tinsley uh, when it was, a to me, a very obvious thing that they were doing. They brought him off the sideline on a timeout, and I was like, well, they're about to throw to Tinsley, and they did, and it, it was incomplete, just a little high. And uh, But then they actually threw it again, and they hit uh, Laporte for a touchdown. So they kind of worked out everything in their offense at some point in this uh, ball game. Defense was absolutely just doing its thing. And, you know, they go into this game against Riverheads, their rival. This is, you know, who they didn't score against last year in two meetings, and nothing would make them happier than to, you know, get some points on the scoreboard early in this one and get that taste out of their mouth. But it's going to be a tough matchup for them, and it, it has been. That's why Riverheads has won 15 of these in a row. Um, but it's the rivalry, and and it, it's it's always fun to get the – these kids that go to middle school together, you know, a couple of years later now in high school playing against each other in a football field. So there's all those kind of stories that mean a lot to the people there. Uh, but outside of it, you look at this game and, and you do, it's, it's just hard to look at a Riverheads team that's won this game 15 times in a row and, and say it's going to go differently. Yeah. Um, I'm glad Buffalo Gap, you know, kind of went out and took care of business this Friday against Waynesboro like they should have. Um, and, you know, they did not play around. They didn't. That's what you want to see when you're playing a team that you're just better than. And, uh, you know, Waynesboro's got their bye week, which couldn't come at a better time. But <laughs> they could have used one any one of these weeks, any one of these weeks. Well, at least it comes right before they get in the Valley <laughs> District, because if you're going to win, I mean, you're zero six. You didn't win a single Shenandoah District game, which no. was, you know, hand up. I, I was wrong. I thought Waynesboro was at least the third was. best team in the Shenandoah district, maybe even case for second. And they, they won none. So they are the worst team in the Shenandoah district. Um, but they, if they're going to win a, a game, it's going to be in this Valley district stretch. And I think it's going to be their game out of the bye week So, I mean, we'll see what happens there, but um, to talk about Buffalo gap, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah. The entire time I've been here, They've never beaten Riverheads. I know they've had good seasons, won state championships um, in the past. I mean, their last win was in 2008. I've, I've gotten married and had three kids since the last time. Buffalo Cap beat Riverheads. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's I, – I just – I don't see a scenario where that streak ends this year. And, again, yeah. I, I just think that this is a team that has, frankly, just not – not been at the same level and you know, that's an, that's an impressive level, right? Yeah. Riverheads has a loss and that's kind of the surprising thing. Um, I, I just, yeah, I, I, I think Buffalo gap could play an a plus game against Riverheads and it's not enough. Like that's, that's, I just think that's the difference in competition here between Riverheads and Buffalo gap. So I think if, you know, I I hear you on it's a rivalry. These kids went to middle school together. Yeah, I, all that that's great. Storylines for the people that are coming to that game only really care about no one. No one else in the county is really paying attention to that. I was gonna say, 
cool storyline. Um, yeah. But I don't know. It's. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. I will just say Riverheads is going to win this game by multiple scores and they will not have a problem. Buffalo Gap, uh, they started four and one last year and then they did lose their next two. They're sitting at four and one again this year. Um, this is the first of these two. The next one's the Stewart's draft game. The one stat that I dug up this week, Riverheads uh, just had a week off with the uh, Westmoreland game getting canceled, uh, which we kind of breeze past that point. But the last time Riverheads lost after a midseason bye week, off week was 1997, 25 years ago. That was Coach Casto's second year back then. So uh, before any of the success that we're used to Riverheads having, uh, that's when uh, the last time they lost a after a bye week. So, all right, let's move it over to volleyball, where Fort Defiance had another sweeping week where they uh, swept Riverheads and Stanton. And that's just what we're expecting at this point. They've, they've gotten through. I think they played everybody in the district. Oh, they're coming up on this week. They'll play everybody in the district. I got to read my own notes. And, uh, but yeah, they're playing gap and Waynesboro this week. And that's two teams uh, that between them have two district wins. So we'd expect Fort Defiance to continue on their winning ways at the very least. The game that kind of sticks out to me this week, a little bit is this draft gap game. Um, or the last week was this draft gap game because it kind of set gap to the lower part of the standings and brought Stewart's draft to the upper part. And that, that was kind of that difference maker game there. Stewart's draft now sitting three and two in the district. They beat Harrisonburg and uh, gap last week, this week, they got a tough week with Loray on Monday night. And uh, I should have a score on that, but I don't. Um, but then Riverheads and Stanton, you know, I think they'll have a good latter part of the week. We'll see what they do on Monday, but I think inside the district they'll do good. So I think they're going to stay up there in that upper range. So, yeah, we this this week in volleyball, not a lot of, um, you know, tough matchups from what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot of the upper people playing a lot of the lower people uh, in the district. So maybe we'll have a surprise in there. You know, Riverheads is not really having the season that we're used to seeing them have these last few years. Can they get a win over, you know, the draft team that's right ahead of them or even Wilson that's up above them too? Uh, this week, that would be, you know, an opportunity for a surprise this week. But otherwise, I kind of think things will kind of go as expected this week with, you know, Fort Wilson and draft beating Riverheads Gap and Waynesboro and Stanton. So Stanton had a tough season. Well, and the, the thing about volleyball, too, that makes it so hard to get, you know, upsets over teams that are, you know, better than you is the fact you got to win three sets. Like, it's not just right. one if if things go our way and we get lucky, you know, yeah. we get to 25 before they do and we're out of here. Like you got to do that three times and that's hard to do. Uh, so that's what I, I think you're right. I think we kind of the standings are starting to shuffle out a little bit and you kind of know who's better than who. And maybe yeah. maybe in that bottom group, you know, the there's some competition, but I'd say outside of one and two, maybe maybe Wilson could win a few sets against Fort Defiance, but I don't even know if they could win a match against Fort Defiance just because I think Fort Defiance is just that much better. I think they might. Maybe they went 3-1 when they played last time, but yeah, it, it's not going to go to it, that's, But that's what I'm saying. I'm, th- I'm saying confident. maybe you get some sets. Yeah. You're, not, you're not winning the match. So no. it, I, I think the only question is maybe, you know, when you get to Wilson or Waynesboro, Buffalo Gap, Riverheads, Buffalo Gap, Riverheads, Waynesboro, something like that. Yeah. 
Wilson did let win a win in one of the little sets, but that's it. Right. Um, I do want to jump, and we we didn't talk about Class One golf last week. Uh, I didn't even see the results for this until Wednesday or Thursday. But Riverheads did get second in the region, so they do take their whole team to the state one um, B uh, Class One uh, state golf match that's coming up at Petersburg here in a week or two. Um, I don't think I put a date on here. Uh, on 10-11. So that's next week, right? Sure. So that's great for this Riverheads team. This is where Gap was sitting last year. Last year, Gap took their team to the state tournament. They missed out on taking the team this year. Um, they, they, had, they had good players. Casey Fitzgerald and Dalton Coffey finished nicely. But Riverheads, they'll have the whole team there, led by uh, J.P. Crawford, Tucker Harlow, Alex Nichols. And those are the guys we've like main, mainly been seeing all season for Riverheads. So good luck to those guys at State's. Um, I don't believe we have we have no other teams going to state meets be, uh, between class two and three. Um, I think Fort Defiance has one golfer in the individual, but uh, I I think I said that last week. So we'll see how those goes next week. We'll um, we won't have had those yet, so it'll probably be two weeks before we have results from those. But good luck to that Riverheads golf team. And you know this is a team I thought they had stepped up this year. They were looking better and, and competing towards the top of the district better. Um, so I'm glad it's paid off for them. Yes. All right, college football. Mm-hmm. And we're at the point with this Tech team, and I, whatever I say bad about Tech, I think any UVA fan can say bad about their team too. So it's not even a competition of who's better right now. I think it's just who's going to show progress by the end of the year. And my issue with Virginia Tech right now is that these last couple games haven't really provided an opportunity to see improvement and uh, credit the opponents to that. I think – West Virginia had a great game plan against us. Um, and UNC did what they needed to do. They they were mu- they were great at quarterback against us and lit our defense up where we thought that was our high point. Um, but they absolutely treated our offense with no respect. I mean, they're going for it on fourth, fourth and seven at one point, fourth down inside the uh inside the 10 at one point, and because they just had confidence that they were gonna stop our offense, so why not try to go for it? So the disrespect factor is the little, probably the thing that's kind of hard for me to swallow the most there. Um, but then right behind that is that fact that we haven't shown progress. So I, I just want to find a way to start seeing progress in these games. Even though we're playing Pitts, Pittsburgh this week at 3.30 on ACC Network, Miami the next week at noon 30 and the regional sports network because nobody cares about that game now. And then it's, I just want to see something out of those games that make me smile because I sure didn't have anything to smile about Saturday with Tech. I don't know where in those games you find something to smile about. Like, I, I'm I just, to. that's like, that's my goal. Like, yeah, not to win it. We're not going to win. I just like, oh, our offense can move the ball. I would like to see that. Like, because we, we just have not seen that. Well, and man, that scripted drive to open the game looked okay. But even that didn't end in the end zone. You had to settle for three. And it, we're just on offense. We're just not good. Um, we don't have the talent. I mean, that's, that's yeah. pretty obvious. Our offensive line's bad. Our quarterback is bad. Our receivers are bad. I think everyone's bad. Like, I I just think <laughs> everyone is bad on that offensive side of the ball. And the defense got killed against Drake May, but I think it's the best quarterback they've probably played this year. And uh, I don't know. I, I just, this team is not in any way impressive. And yeah, at Miami, NC State, but you play Pitt before that. And Pitt, your only hope is that Pitt lost to Georgia Tech and maybe 
something is wrong there and you can Georgia Tech moved the ball and scored. So I I don't, well, that's true. Yeah, we can't do that. And that was the one thing, right? Like when we're watching the game, the announcers are sitting there going, well, you know, we, a lot of people have been calling into question UNC's defense, but they've really stepped up and shown, you know, they're a lot better this week. And I was like, no, they're not. They're just playing an offense that is incapable of moving the ball. Like, that was an offense that refuses. Someone on Twitter put the offense that refuses to move versus the defense that can't stop anybody. Something's got to give. Like, and it was our offense. Our offense gave. Like, we couldn't move the ball. Like, and I think there was a play where the official screens Dax Hollyfield and puts Dax Hollyfield on his butt. And I made the joke to you, like, Brent Pry needs to ask that official after the game, do you have any eligibility left? Would you like to play <laughs> offensive line? Because our offensive line can't stop anyone. Our quarterback, even when he has time, I don't know what he's doing. The, the one interception he threw had time, hit the UNC guy right in the chest. Never saw him, which is a problem because that guy didn't move. And I was like, man, I don't, maybe Grant Wells is a T-Rex. And if you don't move, he can't see you. Like, I don't know. That was, it was an interception though, that both you and I, when he threw it, we were just like, what are you doing? And, you know, the announcer's like, oh, you know, this calls by the pressure. And I was like, that was picked up. Our running back was there, picked up the blitz, and he still throws a pick. What are we supposed to do with that? Now, you bring in the other guy, He's not great either. So, I don't know. I This team is bad. This team is bad. I uh, this, The only thing I know about Virginia Tech is they're not going to a bowl this year, and Brent Pry hit the portal hard because yeah, I'm telling you, the talent is not in the locker room. Yeah. It's just the weekly reminder of how far we've dropped. So, I, I saw an interesting stat. I think it was Oxby T. was like, Every other ACC team in this time period that since, you know, since we've been in the ACC has had, a, you know, multiple losing seasons, Virginia Tech never had. So, like, now we're having our turn. So, I get that. I, I don't like it, but I get that. But, like, I just want to see progress. I, I guess that's just my point. I just I, I want to see progress this season. And I, I know the next couple of weeks that's not going to show up in wins, but I, I want to see us get it. Like, oh this is how we coach these guys up to do this a little bit better. And this is us working with these guys that don't have as much talent as who we're playing and play a little better. So, yeah, I just, I don't think again, I, I think it's impossible to win with this group of players and that's what I'm taking away from it. And again, I don't, I don't, this is why like the, and you're seeing less and less of them, like they're starting to disappear, but this is why the, I want guys who want to work hard and I don't want five stars. I want guys who are willing to grind. I'm like, no, I want five stars. If that guy wants to lollygag during practice or whatever, but shows up in the game and scores three touchdowns and runs for 150 yards or throws for 300 something yards and three touchdowns. Like I don't care if he doesn't show up to practice. If he can do that in a game, that's all I care about. Just win. I don't know. I mean, that want is back from the era where we took three-star guys and made them awesome and NFL players, and we had the coaching staff that, like, 
was built on. But I think that was also. I don't know if we have the coaching staff right now. Yeah, but that was also before. I mean, honestly, I do think the people who evaluate recruits are better at that now than they were then. 757 was a largely undiscovered place then. It's discovered. Yeah, they're just all leaving leaving the state. Yep. <laughs> so speaking of leaving the state, uh, UVA went down to Duke and they lost. Uh, not neither of the teams had a nope had a good day down that way last week. They lost thirty eight to seventeen. Armstrong wasn't great. Didn't really have the weapons he needed around him to be successful. Was one way I saw it framed. Um, I don't know. I just seeing Duke knock off UVA has to. Uh, upset those Cavalier fans. I, I took no joy in it the other. I mean, that's, that's how bad we are. I did took no joy about UVA uh, having a bad day down at Duke. So I, no I joy I is strong. Yeah. No joy is strong. Um, there was some really joy reacted to it. I just, whatever. Yeah. I wouldn't say I reacted, but I just, I don't know, man. Like I'd rather them be terrible while we're terrible too. We've yeah, I made I made the comment to you while we were watching this and seeing the score is tough tough day for teams from the Commonwealth on Tobacco Road. Like yeah. that Tobacco Road had a very good Saturday and we did not. Um, but by rule and when those two teams play and dominated, so yeah, yeah. By rule when those two teams play at the end of the year on Thanksgiving, um we're all going to be thankful that the college football season is over at the end of it because by rule, one of those teams has to win. And I couldn't tell you who it's going to be right now. We're not going to have to worry about one of those cold primetime games on Thanksgiving weekend. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. They might put it that might game. Be one of those 11 AMers. Well, they <laughs> might. Yeah. They might be like, look, we're going to put this game at 2 AM because no one wants to watch this. Uh, but the best team in the state, UVA has uh, Louisville next week. The, the best team in the state, JMU, and I think people can stop. Like, JMU f- fans keep saying it like people need to believe. It's it's a fact. It's not like a debatable thing. JMU is the best team in the state. Yep. Uh, they continue to win. They won 40-13, to 13, Texas State. Um, they had a moment where they were experiencing, you know, Sunbelt, FBS football, uh, but then they got it going and, and took off from there and, and won and Quarterback continues to be amazing, you know, uh, 15 for 25, 257 yards. And uh, I think he ran for some touchdowns too. So just, he's awesome. The receiver had a big day. Um, was having a big season. Uh, Thornton, that was the one. Uh, but the defense, I, I wanted to blow past the offense to get to the defense because they are tearing it up. And okay, you start talking about who they played or something, that's when you throw it there's a lot of teams that haven't played anybody super great yet. And they all have the opportunity to be first in, you know, yards allowed in the nation. None of them are because Duke, because the Dukes are from JMU and they're also ninth in points allowed. So they're doing what they're supposed to on defense credit to them. And, you know, having that level of um, standard on their defense is going to help them as they go through the Sunbelt season as, as it's going to get tougher in the sub out. You're going to have week after week of tough games um, it's going to get tougher, but they're sitting right where they want to be and good for them. Yeah, I think so too. And look, it's awesome, right? That, uh, JMU yeah. is doing so well. I'm happy. I'm, I am surprised that they're four and oh, yeah, I am surprised yeah. that they're four and oh, they're going to be five and oh, cause I, I don't think Arkansas state's going to be that big hurdle that trips them up. Um, but 
this is a team that is kind of taking care of business. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it is the best team in the state of Virginia right now. There is no debate about it at this point. And um, I, you know, I was talking to Rob today and he's like, what do you think? Do you think uh, Virginia Tech would be a good game against JMU? And I was like, no, I think JMU would kill us. Like we're terrible right now. I, I think I think JMU would kill Virginia Tech, and um, yeah. So I am happy that at least JMU is good because at least on Saturdays I can watch a game, a team that's not going to disappoint me. Um, but I think Arkansas State's on national TV at, on the NFL Network Saturday, oh. so that's a great way for JMU to get the brand out there, put a whooping on somebody in the Sun Belt. Be three and zero in the Sun Belt, and, and or be and winning uh, a game like that. Two and zero in the Sun Belt. Uh, no, it would be three and zero because Texas State. Yep. Um, yeah. Be three and zero in the Sun Belt and be five and zero overall. Winning a game like that will also help them down the stretch. Come I in, mean, you have all those games that have yet to been uh, set, and as the season goes on, when you have yep, you know the reason they haven't been uh, had as many Sun Belt games on ESPN so far is because you have all these conferences playing non out of conference games, so you're bringing all these other teams. Now there's less games for ESPN to cover and they're going to have some belt games going on ESPN and they're going to be taking the undefeated JMU Dukes and put them on there and matchups against Marshall are coming and uh, coastal Carolina coastal. are coming. That's at the very end. Uh, so games like that, very good possibility on ESPN and not at some weird hour either, like solid, nice games on ESPN coming up ESPN two even. So that'll be interesting. Um, so I think this could be another one for them where, you know, the first quarter, they, they don't just come out the gate slamming them, actually sure. on the road in Sun Belt, but I think they take care of business. I think by the fourth quarter, it's we've moved our attention onto something else. Yes, and I will say this too. Like, this is at that point where I think as, you know, the defender of the G5, even though they don't want to be called the G5, um, that I am on this podcast and in general, like, Looking at that AP top 25, tell me JMU isn't better than some of those teams. Didn't Kansas just just make it like this? this time yeah, but I think that's honestly, this is why I do think we need to change how we do top 25 polls. I am all in favor of not having a single top 25 poll until week six. Because will not <laughs> I, yeah, but I'm saying in terms of like, I don't think these AP voters know what they're doing. I think they're yeah. voting based on name. I think they're looking at where, what the final poll was last year, seeing who they recognize in terms of a name of a school. And if they don't recognize some, cause there's some G five teams up there that they don't remember voting for, they throw them out and throw in a Miami or a Notre Dame or whoever to, to make it look good. I, I think, um, I mean, this week it's like LSU and Arkansas are sitting in that 25 spot. And because my brain is like you're saying set on knowing who LSU and Arkansas are, it's harder for me to jump past that. I mean, Jamie's in there like uh, effectively 30th or, you know, just outside of what we've been seeing in the top 25. Um, I, it ain't personal against JMU. I mean, that's the one thing. It's I not personal. No, it's, it's the AP. This is what happens. It's to personal against the G5. That's what it is. It's yeah. personal against the yeah. G5. It's not personal against JMU in particular. Yeah, they're not, 
knocking them down because they just came up or anything. No, like Cincinnati's sitting at 24. You know, like they they've been through this. I I don't I, I don't know mean to talk about Cincinnati right this minute, but like Cincinnati's been through these kind of problems, and uh, you know a lot of G5 teams do. So yeah, just keep whipping. At some point, at some point, <laughs> they're gonna see you up there because if you keep on winning all these games. You're going to keep winning. I think their coach, uh, Signetti, he had the thing talking about the, um, you know, they have the rules in place where you can't go to bowls. Um, you're not eligible for like postseason your first year. And it's, you know, to protect the programs. And he, like he understood those, why they had those in place, but he's, they're old. You know, that's that's for the old way. That's before you had a transfer portal. That's before you had the exposure of these teams. That's, you know, not really thinking about these schools that come in from the FCS that are dominant down there and and are good and then when you come play fbs it's not that big of a difference in, in playing level there so i i still am surprised like you like you said i'm surprised they're four and oh because to you have less scholarships you you haven't had the same amount of scholarships as everybody else that you're playing right now for the last four years and so you're just getting into that and and adding scholarships and it's it's tougher but and really let's know, be honest of, let's be honest it was the app state game that's the one that surprises you. The App yeah. State game. Because if it wasn't for the App State game, you'd be like, ah, maybe. Three and one, I'm not that surprised, given who the yeah. three teams would have been. And based off what Appy State did against other people before that. Right. So, so App State yeah. is the big surprise. But then you look and you're like, okay, I mean, Marshall, yes, Marshall beats Notre Dame, but then Marshall loses to Bowling Green. So, I don't know. Coastal Carolina has struggled recently. I don't know. Like, well, you're making. It sounds like you're making a case why they're not in the top twenty-five. No, I'm making my case on. I think JMU could be in the top twenty-five. I think Appalachian State's better than some of these teams at the bottom. There are two Probably. G5 teams in the top twenty-five. I will say the AP poll. At least they're saying, well, these are P5 teams with one or no loss. Okay, the the coaches poll, Arkansas is not the 25th best team in the country. Yeah. Baylor is not the 22nd best team in the country. The only, the only reason is because they used to be in the top 10. That's the only reason they're still even on it. I mean, yeah. they, and they'll never get rid of And like, I, I, we went past your point of like not having rankings until what week three or four or whatever. They'll never do it because ABC and ESPN and Fox. Yeah, they rely on it. That's how they sell they their games. Want those two numbers beside those two teams in the first week of the season to sell that game. And yeah. that's why it's never, never going to come off. If if the coaches poll said, heck with it, we're not doing it, you know, and somehow the AP said the same kind of thing, then ESPN and Fox would create their own poll and make sure that's out in front of our face. Like, we're always going to see a poll at the beginning of the season. Doesn't matter what happens. It's money. I hear you. And I, I, I'm not recognizing that that isn't true. Um, but to me, you know, I think to have an accurate poll, I, I do think there's a reason we don't get a college football playoff poll until week eight because the playoff committee wants to see these teams play a little bit. And yeah. then you see... <laughs> I don't want to fly all these people to Dallas every week <laughs> in September. <laughs> well, that's true, too. But <laughs> I, I just think... Yeah, I think it took Kansas way too long to get in the top 25. I, I think... The game is going there. Yeah, good for them. That's going to be a big game between them and TCU, who also was Aren't not in the top 25. Are you just yelling about the game day not going there like a week or two ago? yeah. They should have been there for well, Kansas. Well, they're there Duke. now for an undefeated TCU team. Yeah. Sure. Duke's not getting any votes. I think Duke's still undefeated, aren't they? No. They lost to Kansas. They lost to Kansas. Well, they're, their only <laughs> loss is to Kansas. 
who is undefeated. I forgot about that. Yeah. As I just said, they could have been at Duke, which was an undefeated matchup. Um, but yeah, they didn't get any AP votes. I mean, their only losses to number 19, Kansas. I, I just, yeah. you just look at some of the, the people getting votes, Texas A&M getting any votes for a top 25 they is hilarious. Coaches, they got a coach's poll vote. One of them. The f- <laughs> yeah. But the fact that Texas A&M is getting any AP votes is hilarious. I, that team is not good enough. North Carolina should not have any votes for the AP top 25. Team is not good. Illinois, get out. Like, goodness, some of these teams are bad. At least the shellacking that some of these teams at the bottom of the top 25 got this week got some of those teams out, like Pitt. Pitt's another team. What the hell was Pitt doing in the top 25 for two seconds? That team is not good. I think you and I both, when we saw the AP top 25 ranking at the preseason with Pitt, I think it was a top 10 team at the beginning of the year. They were up there. They were up there. You and I both looked at each other and been like, based on what? Like, they had a mass exodus. And it's not like Pat Narduzzi is known for bringing in loads of talent. He got Kenny Pickett. That's the one guy he's ever recruited. preseason, but then I think when they beat West Virginia or whatever, they jumped up. They moved more. up, and then Tennessee beat them, and then it took forever to get Tennessee in the top 10. I, I just think this is, this year in particular, when I'm looking at some of these AP polls, I'm like, what are they doing? Like, at least Tennessee's in the top 10 now. Um, I, I just think some of these AP voters just look, who won, who lost, that's how we're moving stuff. And they'll watch Alabama and Georgia play to know who who they thought was number one that week. Yeah. So because I was aware of what your thoughts were on Saturday, I know your biggest takeaway from Saturday revolved around Missouri, mainly on their kicker, but on what Missouri was able to do with Georgia and nearly knock them off. Yeah. Man, I was kind of hoping they were going to be able to do it. Um that kicker, I think his name is Myers. Um, I didn't even look up his name. <laughs> beast of a dude. Beast of a dude. Looks like he, he built could, on a nickname. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it looks like he could bench 300 and has the legs of a kicker. So, I mean, it just, when he came out, I, you had the line of the night. Too. He's strutting around. Yeah, yeah, when he came out, you were like, he does not look like a kicker. And so I'm expecting him to, like, kick it into the line. And then he boots it like 50 yards. And I'm like, oh, this guy's got a leg. And that yeah. first run is like, he could have made that from 60. And then he makes another 50 yard. And they're like, he's made nine plus 50 yarders, which is, or not more, nine 50 plus yarders uh, in his time at Missouri, which is a school record. And I was like, I would think that's going to be a school record in a lot of places. Like, this kid is good, is what I'm hearing. So, I mean, this was a team, that was a team that was bringing people from the soccer team a couple years ago to come kick for him. Well, and now. I tell you what, if he was on the soccer team, what a find. No. Yeah, no, he wasn't. But, like, he's a find no matter where he came from. Good for him. Gosh, and, yeah, that little strut he had after the last one he made, I was like, I'm all about it. I like this kid. I like his stuff. Unfortunately, I did not like Missouri's offense when they got in the red zone, which is why I got to see that kicker so often was because they weren't going to score touchdowns. But, man, they just couldn't. Once Georgia scored that first touchdown, that's when both you and I went, uh-oh. Yeah. And it just kind of unraveled for Missouri. But it was the fourth quarter before they scored a touchdown, so. Whew. They held them. Man. They did all they could. They did all they could. Credit and you them. know what? 
like Bryce Young got hurt in the Bama game, and I know that hurt. But even when Bryce Young was in there, Bama wasn't playing amazing. They kind of jumped out to a lead, even with him out of the game. And then Arkansas came back, and then Bama ends up putting him away. But that's the second time we've seen Bama look mortal. Still moved him up to number one. Yeah. But again, I think that's AP voters not actually watching the game. They're just looking at the score, and they're like, oh, yeah, okay. And I think... I don't know why you forget what moved them down. Like they struggled against Texas. Texas is yeah. what two and two or whatever. Like that. That's why you moved them down. What changed from that? I don't. Uh, AP voters having short-term memory loss. That's what changed. Um, it seems like long-term memory loss. They can't think of anybody that is in a Power Five team that has won multiple national champions. So. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I. <laughs> but I think. This year, our number one complaint about college football has always been, well, these teams are just dominant, and they're going to dominate everybody they play, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying that Georgia or Alabama isn't going to end up winning this national championship. But those teams have looked mortal this year. Yeah. And I think you're already seeing what NIL and the transfer portal, and it's only going to get more and more parity once the playoff expands, and Alabama and Georgia – can't say, well, you don't go there because you'll never be in the playoff. They right. won't be able to say that anymore. I think that's going to help. I think I, I'm in, I'm already enjoying it. I like when Alabama's on the ropes. I liked Georgia being on the ropes. I, I yeah. like when these top teams are on the ropes. I loved that Clemson was struggling with NC State. I wish NC State could have pulled it out. Yeah, I, I don't mind a world that gets proven to me that, like, San Jose State deserves their chance because, I mean, that's what we're moving towards if these teams are – that's what we want. Off. Yeah. But it's just not the world we live in now. So right. like I'm I'm fine if it shifts there, but it's just we're not there now. But I do think transfer portal is is my number one thing I would circle on while we're seeing some of this. But yeah, we're still gonna see all those top te- like the top three of the top four is gonna be Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. Like sure. just put that down. But it's you know, it's fun to see that how many losses are gonna be involved in that playoff before it starts, you know? That'd be interesting. Yeah. And like what what kind of gyp- gymnastics they have to do to keep those teams in there when they lose down the stretch of the season. I mean, they'll do it. They'll still be in the playoff. But oh like, yeah. Be, well, but again, that will be harder than usual and say some really crazy crap. To yeah. Like if, if Alabama were to stumble against Auburn in the iron bowl, right. We would hear about how great Auburn is. Now, yeah. if you watched the Auburn LSU game, you would know for a fact, that's not true, but right. they're going to count on you not knowing that. Yeah. That's what they're no. going to do. I don't know if they care if we know it or not. They know you're going to watch that national, that those semifinal and national championship, no matter what. And they're right. I am. That's another reason we need an expanded playoff is so when they watch all them too, when they put their name in. Yeah. But when they put their names in, like maybe we find out if that team is actually worthy. Yeah. I think that expanded playoff, we'll still see the the champion come from like the top. Probably. But it well, will, it's going to be the, at least, yeah. Yeah. At least it'll have a chance, you know, and one and of it, those teams. You and the people that are saying, the people that are saying, oh, well, the first round's going to be all blowouts. I don't think it's going to be all blowouts. One well, and two, the semifinals playing. are blowouts now. And the national championship game has been a blowout more times than not. Right. So right. who cares? And we still watch them and I'm looking forward to them. I was looking today on what, what day of the week those games are on, how it lines up with New Year's Eve and all that. I'm, 
pumped. I want to watch them. Yeah. Virginia Tech, it will have nothing to do with it, but I still care. Uh, what else stuck out to you on Saturday? Um, Man, uh, Florida of, State. Florida State choked a bit. In a lot of ways, and none of them went my way. So. Yeah, same Z's. Saturday was a hard day, but Sunday made up for it. Um, but yeah, yeah, Florida State choked. Yeah. I thought NC State just couldn't get it done when they needed to, yeah. which stunk. And now um, they play each other this week, right? I think that's true. Yeah. Florida State at NC State, 8 p.m. on ACC Network. So, Well, that's one if those two teams hadn't lost, wouldn't be on ACC Network. Well, also because ESPN is riddled with baseball this weekend, too. So the schedule's a little bit weirder this week. Sure, but can we also acknowledge that Clemson at BC should not be on ABC? No, it absolutely shouldn't be. And that's actually the decision they made. It was between NC State and Florida State and that Boston College Clemson game for the APM on ABC. I all they're would, going Clemson. It's so stupid. Just I would it. so much rather watch Florida State at NC State. At least that's a game where I could see either team winning. I State, there is not Florida a State universe would be on ESPN if it wasn't for baseball playoffs. So yeah, there is not a universe where Boston College wins that game. No, 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 no. They just didn't Boston College. They beat what Louisville or they needed. They yeah, they needed a miracle to beat Louisville. Yeah, because they're terrible too. I mean, just whatever. I'm not excited about that. That's not one of the ones I have highlighted for me to watch on Saturday. Um, but. Uh, I am looking forward to the NC State Florida State game because it's another chance for Florida State to hopefully reinforce something I've said being right. I I'm not as hopeful about that anymore <laughs> as I was. Um, but the big game I think for for us to look ahead at there's plenty. There's uh, Tennessee at LSU. That's Tennessee mm-hmm. on the road at LSU. That's interesting. You got TCU at Kansas with game day there, and that's a noon game on FS1. Now you've told me though that game day only goes to ESPN and ABC play. I'm confused. I, this is, but you look again, at the ESPN and, last, and ABC games. Sure. I think if you look at the ESPN and NBC ABC games, I think you know why they didn't go to any of those. <laughs> By rule, so. they can't go if you lost a game because we've already learned that. So NC State and Florida State were out. So because they lost the week before, they couldn't go there. Your other options. I mean, Kirk Herbstreit's going to have to fly to Boston College. I mean, that's the game he's going to be on. Ugh. Jeez. Uh, maybe he that's calls terrible. it remote. I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> Can we Skype this thing in here? Yeah, I mean, I know we made the joke as we're watching all those people celebrating as they beat Louisville. I was like, could you? And it was rainy. And I was like, could you imagine, like, going to that game, sitting in that terrible weather, and then you're like, oh, yeah, I live in Boston. Like, terrible would hate it <laughs> we said a lot worse things than that too though we did that's but probably the games there is no espn from espn i mean they have unc miami the they can't go there because miami just lost middle tennessee state so you can't go there i mean i mean that's four o'clock in the afternoon he's got to fly from kansas that's what i'm saying but i'm saying in terms of their yeah. game day selection they didn't have any options they had to pick one that yeah. wasn't them no i mean it's fine the other weeks they do too I mean, I, in no way am I going to say they never, like, side one way because they're already going to be there anyway. Like, they do, but it's not like – on the weeks when they don't go to a game, you're like, they never do. And I was like, yeah, never is not even close. Like, they they make an effort to go to the best game. Well, if there's one thing this podcast has taught our listeners is I am never hyperbolic. So, um, 
But I'm I'm with you. I think that Tennessee LSU game is fantastic. Yeah. TCU Kansas is good. Utah UCLA is good. Um, yeah, I am. A, like the three thirty is going to be tough. After that, I I start to not get interested. Yeah, because... eight o'clock. I, I'm going to be interested. In Alabama Texas A and M just with with the trash. Oh talk yeah, and stuff that happened from the summer. Like I know Texas A and M isn't what we thought they were going to be. Um, it, I think that's going to have some drama, or you know, there's all the talk. I hope Texas A and M can keep it close. That's all I want. Just keep it close. That'd be interesting. Yeah, one score game, and you've done your job. All right, move it oh, up. Before we move point. on, before oh, we move on. Speaking of Texas A and M. I can't believe they still have videos of these midnight yells oh my, yeah. Stop coming out on, on social internet. media. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love it, Leland. I had something open and I was trying to yeah. I was trying to squeeze my driveway and I opened up a mid tweet. So but those midnight yell things that keep coming out. Those are so cringeworthy. Like, I could not imagine rooting for a team that does that. Like, I, I'd hate that. If if a team I rooted for did something like that, I'd be like, I can't. That's just so bad. And they're not even funny. Like, that's the thing. Like, if you were doing, like, a Midnight Yell, like, stand-up tour or whatever that's supposed to be, and it was funny, that's one thing. But these people are like, they probably can't even spell Mississippi. And I'm like, you know where you are, right? <laughs> like, mm. yeah, it's bad. It's bad. There's nothing good to say about it. It's I just, Like, again, I'm just like, you want to look in a mirror? Like, come on, dude. I don't know if you should be saying that. Like, come on. And then they do the weird, like, hop the on their step. leg thing. Yeah. And the crowd's like, I don't know what that is. I, I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. Um, that being said, I need him to cover 16. So get it done. <laughs> I can get him for more than that. Yeah. Oh, all right. NFL. The Bills beat the Ravens. You guys went for the win down the stretch. <sighs> yeah. Like you played to win. You played to win. We I did play credit. to win. I respect that. I wish we could have won. I think, unlike some other Ravens fans that are mad that we did that, I think when you're up 20 to 3, you need to be able to close the game out, period. So that's where my concern is, is that that's now a second three-score lead we have blown uh, in as many games. So, or no, two. sorry, two and three weeks. Um, both teams that like, it's not embarrassing that you did that. I mean, you didn't do this against like the Colts or something like, no, Dolphins are going to be around at the end. Bills are well, everybody's favorite this year to be around at the end. So Dolphins might not. Oh, Dolphins might not be. Dolphins were on a way to being, uh, they yes. might not be now. That's true. That's true. At but, the time it was embarrassing. Right. I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I am worried about our defense this year, which is not something I've had to say in a long time. Um, but hopefully the offense figures it out enough to to start winning some games. But I also would say that what helps us is I don't think the AFC North is great. Um, it is not. Watched the Steelers lose to the Jets, which made me feel good. Watched the Bengals hey, be the they, Bengals. They first in. He brought in a little fire. Right. Um, 
I, I think we got to stick with them now. I think that's got to be the plan. I, I know early Monday they were saying, you know, we'll worry about next week, next week. I, I think it is next week, but okay. Um, but I think at some point this week we'll hear Kenny Pickett's going to start. I, yeah, I, I don't think you can go back. A little right? Yeah. I, I, I am with you on that. It, you made the move. Personally, yeah. I thought this was a good game to start Kenny Pickett anyway because it's the Jets. Um, yeah, but they I, elected started, not to. They might just win that game. Yeah, outright. I agree. Um, but I think the Bengals. I know the Bengals beat the Dolphins, and yeah, yeah. But there's a lot going on. I haven't I mean, seen. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot from the Bengals that have given me confidence. And Cleveland stinks. Like I love that. Um, so I just yeah, I'm not worried about a ton in that division. Um, yeah. But let's, I, I do, you don't have it on here, but I do want to watch. No, we got to talk about it. We I do want to talk about the Dolphins. That is something, that story, because. <laughs> it indeed is something. <laughs> so really, it's a two-week-long story, right? Because Tua appears to have a concussion to anyone watching the game. It's really only a six-day thing, because it happens Sunday, and they shove them right back out there. Right. But I'm saying two weeks on the NFL calendar, I guess is what I mean. But. Appears to get a concussion against the Bills game. Can't stand up. Legs are wobbly. Falls down. His back was hurting, Joe. That's what we were told. Um, <laughs> when that came out, I was like, mm, doubt it. But you know what? That guy's a medical doctor. I'm not sure. And I guess this is the part that's scary, Leland. If Tua really did pass four concussion protocol tests. Check them tests out. That's that's my thing. I was like, well, then obviously the tests aren't good because if that kid passes four concussion protocol tests, goes back in that game, and then this is the part that's not going to change because the NFL likes money too much, but this is the thing that people who have been against Thursday Night Football have been saying the whole time. It's not safe. It's not safe. So NFLPA is doing an investigation on Tua coming back into the game after what appeared to everyone else to be a concussion. What happens? He gets slammed to the turf and starts, you know, having spasms. Definitely a head injury, having spasms, seizing up, very scary moment, something that we just have not seen. And the bad news for the NFL is it's a primetime game, only game on. Everyone in the country can see it. And it was like higher ratings on Thursday Night Football this week than it was the week before that was good rating. Like they're having great ratings on there. Everybody was watching. That's the problem for the NFL. And it, and, gave, I, and it gave everybody to talk about it for three days before Sunday. You know? Right. So by Sunday, it's old news, and you're moving on to who's getting fired. Well, and that's the thing, right? So Saturday comes out that this doctor that cleared Tua during the Bills game has been fired uh, by the NFLPA because the NFLPA does have hiring and firing capabilities when it comes to these independent doctors. But I, I guess my thing is the NFLPA also hired this guy. So I, I don't know, like I've listened to a couple podcasts talking about it this weekend. And I, I guess that's the scary part, right? Is like part of this is in our, you know, the way we are, we're looking for who's to blame for this being allowed to happen. When part of it is football is violent. And we saw football happen on Thursday night and that kind of made us uncomfortable. And they're going to change the rules. Like if it looks like a head injury, you're not coming back now. 
Like, that's all fine and good until the first time it's not a head injury and people don't think it looks bad on TV, and then they're griping that their best player's not in the game. Because you know that's coming. We see it with targeting, right? Like, the targeting rules. Why, why do the targeting rules exist? Because we want to protect the safety of the players. What's the thing that gets complained about every single time a targeting call is made? Well, that guy shouldn't be ejected over it. I mean, come on. He's our best player on defense. This is going to kill us. I'm like, well, if you want to get rid of it, this is how you get rid of it. You got to make it punitive. I'm not saying the guy from the Bengals or the guy for the Bills did anything dirty that should have been ejected. But I'm just saying, like, Tua wanted to be out there. There wasn't a Dolphins fan before Thursday night happened that didn't want to see Tua in that game if he's cleared concussion tests. It's it's crazy. It, it it's it's odd. It's uncomfortable. I think it raises some serious points again to challenge the NFL on their ever expanding greed on get football on multiple different nights a week and own, see how many games. Night. Yeah, see yeah. how many games we can put on how many nights and and dominate everything. I think this is another case against that. The a, case against the NFL like we need more games not less games we need more games I'm like this is why you don't need more games because this kind of thing happens I always go back to when I was in college so we're approaching 20 years ago on this probably 18 years ago and me sitting there watching Steve yawn early as a broadcaster say we're gonna watch a guy we're gonna watch somebody die in in football we're gonna watch somebody get hit and be dead on the field and he's like you know Maybe tomorrow, but maybe not tomorrow, but at some point it's going to happen. And seeing things like that, just that's all I can think about is like at some point it's going to be worse than this. And as bad as this is, it's going to be worse than this. And, uh, you know, around the country, you can see where Little League football numbers have gone down. And it's because people are seeing this and they're not one to sub- subject their kids to this. And uh, I, I got a little guy that, you know, at one point, you would think, no doubt, I'm just going to have him play football because of how much I enjoyed playing football, how much I'd still enjoy the sport covering and everything. And I am very anxious to get a set of golf clubs into his hands because it's just I, – I don't want to see things like this happen to my guy. So, um, you know, and more and more people are going to think that. And the more stuff like this happens on prime time and at some point during the Super Bowl, someone's going to get a bad hit and injury and it's – you're going to see more uproar about it because that's when the crowd is times four, you know, like it's, it's crazy. So well, and it's I on think, its way to changing. It's on its way to changing. It's just, this is part of the process. Like, and I, I think Levitar brought up a good point when he was talking about it today, like that bills game, when, when Tua goes to stand up and walk to the huddle and then starts his legs start to wobble and he falls down. Like if this was a boxing match, the referee would have stepped in and been like fights over. Yeah, that's a good point. And in the NFL, he was allowed to come back and play. Like, that's that's the part that's kind of crazy when you think about it. you got to sit out this play. Yeah, and he surely wouldn't be going back in to competition four days later. Yeah. Like, that's the—I don't know how Tua comes back this year. I, that's the other thing. I don't know how the NFL is able to say, yeah, Tua, you know— Six weeks, you're fine. Like, I don't know how they could do that. This this looked like an injury that just should end the season for him. This, I've seen this injury firsthand 
with people I know and love that it ends them playing things, you know? And well, I, but with and I would say that too. What's going on with Tua? That might not be the case, right? But like in other fields, in other in other parts of the world, <laughs> not the NFL football field. When you have this back-to-back injury and and what what this was, this stops you from performing the actions that caused that. And uh, yeah, it's it it won't hear. Uh, if he's out the whole season, I'll actually be surprised at this point. I think it's what's needed. I think it would be best for him as a human. Uh, but I just don't think that's what's well, going to happen. And how many times, I mean, gosh, there have been players that I have watched play in the NFL that I'm like, you just say to yourself, like, someone needs to step in and just tell him, like, look, we're not going to sign. Like, the the league needs to step in and say, we're not letting you play out of your safety. Like, Julian Edelman was one of those guys that played way too long, in my opinion. He would get concussions. It felt like every year, the past few years of his la- of his playing career, and you're like, Somebody needs to step in and say, look, dude, no, it's not worth it. Like, and, and there were other players, too. Like, I know Chris Cooley there at the end of his playing career in Washington, like, kept getting concussions. And you're like, somebody step in and just tell him, dude, this is not worth it. Like, and I, I unfortunately, I think they're going to realize that later in life when it's too late. And the, the damage has already been done. And another, not a head injury, but another instance that, you know, kept popping up this week was, you know, Mike McDaniel shouldn't have let him play because he needed to be like Mike Tomlin. Ryan Clark was cleared to play in Denver with his sickle cell anemia uh, condition that he had. Doctors cleared him to play. But Mike Tomlin told him, I'm not playing you because I don't want something to happen to you. And with the high altitude in Denver, there was an increased risk of some, a medical emergency or, you know, God forbid yeah. he dies on the field. And Mike Tomlin said, look, I'm not willing to take that risk. And yeah, yeah, Mike Tomlin could have easily said to it, look, sure. It's a back injury or whatever we need it to be for you to play in two weeks. But you had a very serious collision. And I don't think it's safe for you to play in four days. Maybe we don't beat Cincinnati because of it. So be it. And I think Honestly, like part of it is just the culture of the NFL. It's we've got to win. Every single game is important. We need to win every single game. Part of it is the money that's around there. And and I think all this just kind of, you know, this was said on Levitar 2, and I, I didn't disagree. We had kind of forgotten about the concussion issue. After that settlement, NFL did a great job of being like, look, the number of concussions is down. You know, we're so much safer now. And they talked about one of the things Mike McDaniel said right after the Bills game and before the Bengals game of when he said he was going to play those guys. And it was like, well, I would never, you know, 100%, I would never knowingly put a player in harm's way. And, you know, Levitar just laughed and he's like, what are you talking about? That is your job. You are putting people's in harm's way every time they step on a football field, like to play football. And I, he's not wrong. Like football is incredibly dangerous. And if I think if we, as you know, human beings were like, yeah, you know, there's this thing we could do. Um, I don't know, Leland, I, I guess the other part of it is like when you see these horror stories from CTE, like these are just the ones we know about. Yeah. Like, these are just the NFL ones. Like, this isn't, like, the kid that never made it to the NFL. 
the kid that had, you know, problems in high school and got CTE when he played high school football. This isn't the kids who never made it out of college to the NFL that we don't hear about. Like, I think the case, the percentage of people that play football and end up with CTE is so much higher than we even understand. Like, I, I think there's so much we don't understand about this. And it's, it's just that game Thursday night was really scary. And I, I'm with you. I, I hear what you say talking about your son and I don't have kids, but if I did, I don't think I could, I don't think I would want them playing football. And I'm not saying people who do let their kids play football are, are making bad decisions or bad parents or anything like that. I'm not telling you how to raise your kids. I'm just telling you if it was me and my kid and I had kids, I don't think I could say, yeah, I want to throw my son into that and, you know, hope for the best. I, I just don't think I could. It's, I think it's too dangerous. Yeah. It, it is. <laughs> it just plain is. Oh, all right. More, just a couple more NFL talk. I watched the Kansas city game like a Hawk because of money purposes. And it, it was awesome. The way we should ended. have ended with the Dolphins um, thing. My bad. <laughs> But then uh, Detroit, man, Detroit was the my like, that was what I was like, hey, this is my prediction. Detroit's going to be a playoff team. And offensively, they're playing like a playoff team. But man, they just give up more points. They're like so high in scoring in the league, but then they're one and three. That's just ridiculous. So I hope at some point it starts correcting itself and they present themselves in a way to get into the playoffs. But I'm going to give up hope here soon. And they, they got a tough little schedule ahead of them too. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, they're playing the Patriots who are on like their third string quarterback. So I don't know. No, but after that, even uh, I looked ahead, I think before this week I looked ahead and I thought this is a little tough stretch, but yeah, they do um, have Cooper rush and them boys. <laughs> yeah. That's what we need is uh, we Detroit needs is uh, <laughs> oh, there you hear it, Steeler fans. Leland's already <laughs> abandoned ship and gone to yeah. the sunny shores of Detroit. <laughs> we want a Super Bowl there. So, all right, baseball teams are just about set. Milwaukee's still hanging around with Philly. Uh, the Mets had a bad weekend in Atlanta. The Orioles are officially out, but that's the first above 500 finish since 2016. But I want to dig into what you think is going to happen in these playoffs. Because I looked back and we didn't have preseason predictions for MLB season. So I want to make sure we at least run through them here on what we think is going to happen in these playoffs. What do you think is going to happen is what I this segment is. Sure. Um, Not what we wish, because I wish Seattle and the Mets all the luck in the world. But now we talk about what we think is going to happen. Yeah, what I think is going to happen is it's going to be the Astros and the Dodgers. Me um, too. I would love to see someone other than the top two teams from the American League get to the World Series, but I just don't think that's going to be possible. I don't think the Mariners are going to be... I'm not... I think the Mariners will get past the Blue Jays. I don't think the Mariners are going to get past the Astros. And so at that point, they're done. I will say... I'd give anything for the Yankees to get knocked out. Well, I was going to say, I will say, whoever wins between Cleveland and Tampa, I will give a puncher's chance against the Yankees. Yeah, I Um, hope it happens. Because I think the Yankees are not this unbeatable team that they were... That's my number one goal of the playoffs, to get the Yankees out in the first series they play. Yep. Um, And then... But if the Yankees, even if the Yankees get past Cleveland or Tampa, 
they, there's no way. Their pitching is not good enough to get past Houston, so they're going out. In the NL, it's really hard to see somebody shut down the Dodgers for seven games, in in my opinion. If we just the, said that last year. It's true. We did. If if you were hoping for that, you need the Mets to beat the Padres easily and then be able to get their pitching set up to play the Dodgers how they need to. Because if you have Scherzer in game one and you can go to DeGrom in game two or whatever order you want to put them in. Yeah. Um, if you can get Scherzer back ready for game one against LA, yeah, that'd be huge. Then you've got yeah. a chance there against the Dodgers maybe in terms of your pitching to somehow get past them in a best of five. Then, I mean, the Cardinals are good. The Braves are good. The Braves have really come on strong lately. Yeah. They're going to win that yeah. division, which makes me feel good. Um, but I know John wants, I don't know. John probably does not have a ton of faith in Philly, but who knows? These wild cards are three game series. Who knows? I mean, anything could happen in a three game series. So I I just think it's going to be the Dodgers and the Astros in the world series. I know that's the pick and chalk with the two one seeds, but there's a reason they're one seeds and it's because they have been dominant the whole season. Yep. I agree. I got nothing to argue with there. And that's what I do think is going to happen. So who, uh, who wins it? I think probably the Dodgers. For some reason, I thought you were going to say Houston. So that's why I set you up for that. Yeah. But no, I agree. I think the Dodgers get it. I'll be cheering for the Mets. I'll be cheering for Seattle. But while we're on baseball, um, I had to hear from those. The only good news about the cut-ins was at least they were playing the Orioles. The The bad news was I had to deal with them again. And I'll go back. I s- did not say this on the podcast last week, but um, I said it to you Friday night. Where were the cut-ins for Albert Pujols hitting 700? Where were the cut-ins for Miguel Cabrera getting 3,000 hits? Those Those are bigger milestones than seventh, on the single season home run record list. I think we've always seen those treated differently. I think we've always seen the milestone stuff treated differently than, but I think that's more what, historical what can than, be perceived. What some people perceive as a record number. And so I think Yankee I, I fans say, perceive it as a record number. What? I think Yankee fans perceive it as a record number. Yeah, I think, no, I think there's other people. I think the people that are, like, so staunchly against steroids and I'll never watch baseball again because of steroids, but then they did come back. I think those kind of people are recognizing it more so. I'll tell you what. I think I get excited if someone's hitting 60. I've, I remember. You talk about me being seventh. I remember all those seven. I remember Sammy Sosa doing it again. I remember, like, I remember these times that people have hit in the 60s. I, I don't think it needs to be cut in. In no way am I saying that. But, like, I was texting you in July. I was like, holy shit, this guy's going to hit 60. Like, I was amazed by that. I'm still amazed by anybody hitting in the 60s for home runs. I think I, I it's not worth cut in, but I think it is a big deal. And I, I you know, I'm a chick. That's I fine. I, that's fine that you want to say, hey, this guy's hit 60 home runs. That's an amazing accomplishment. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying it's not a record. I don't need cut ins for it. I'm not watching history. I, it's not a milestone home run number. It's not a milestone number of hits. I don't need to see a cut in for it. I don't need to see a cut in for it. You know why we didn't get cut out? You know why we didn't get cut ins for 700? 
home runs for Albert Pujols and why we didn't get cut-ins for 3,000 hits by Miguel Cabrera? Because they don't play for the New York Yankees. That's why we're getting these cut-ins. That's why I say it's a record for the Yankees, because they want to throw New York in your face. They want to they want to do it so badly at ESPN, they'll do it when you're watching Kentucky Ole Miss, who I guarantee you no one in the state of Kentucky or the state of Mississippi that is watching that game gives a flying bleep about Aaron Judge. And they certainly don't want to see him strike out a bunch of times, which is all my he favorite, did this weekend. My favorite tweet was like, TCU's going to get to 62 before this guy does. Yeah, <laughs> because TCU they were lighting up their opponent this week. Yeah, but um, which okay. was Oklahoma. Oklahoma, who we've yeah. easy on. Yeah, we have. I just, yeah, they suck. But um, I, I uh, do not want the cut-ins. I thought the point you made that was really good Friday was – you know, I said, if this were Maguire and Sosa, if this was the world of Maguire and Sosa, we would have cut into it. You know, we'd have cut into the state of the union for to see Maguire hit a homer back in 98. Like we, we would have. But that was also a time before the Major League Baseball Network. And I think that does change things. It's like if you want to see Aaron Judge hit this home run, turn to the Major League Baseball Network. They'll cut in. You yep. got it. You have an ESPN of its own for the own sport. And. And it's in in all the household. You know, if you have cable, you have it. If you have ESPN, you have Major League Baseball Network. It's that popular. So I like I think that was your best point on Friday. It's just a different world that like we have this the right venue for this that we don't have to cut in, especially on ESPN. Maybe I, on the network, like on ABC, like maybe there's a world that people live in that they think, okay, well it's network TV, and we need to clue them into the sports thing happening. No. Oh. I'll, I'll like understand after. the concept of that. I won't agree with it, but I'll understand that concept of what they're saying. But on ESPN, a cable network, you don't have to cut in because if you have that work, you can go to where it is. And it's if you steady. want, if you want to make it a thing of like after he hits it, you know, those in-game updates, yes. you yes. can do that between uh, coming out of the commercial break. Right. I like, yes, no doubt. Yes. That was their plan last week on Monday night football. That was ESPN's plan. If if he hits it, we're not going live in. They were they had a Giants game on the TV and they weren't cutting in live. Which they Leland, said, if he hits to it, me, we'll that tells me it. don't do it. You know it's a bad idea. Yes. Don't do it. Right. Don't do it. Just because it's college football, don't do it. There's less crossover on any of the college football games. There's you know what? Yeah. I'll say you it. There's less crossover on all the college football games combined that you're doing these cut ins on yes. than there were for the Giants Cowboys game. Because was Rutgers on the Big Ten Network last week or Syracuse? Those are the only two teams that, like, you're really crossing over. Yeah. From real it, fans, not like these. Yankee it's a bad idea. And, and again, you know, after Saturday's game, you have the guy on the Yes Network, you know, acting like the Orioles are murdering kittens by walking Aaron Judge, being like, I know, they shouldn't be walking him. This is so sad that they're walking him. They should pitch to him. I don't know why they're so worried about being a trivia answer. I'm like, is this the same team that walked Miguel Cabrera when he was at 2,999 hits every time he was up in that series? Is it, the, is it that Yankees? Because I seem to think it was. And also, Sunday, we walked him one time and we struck him out three times. Aaron Judge struck out more times this series than he walked. Aaron Judge is a phony. I hope he doesn't hit 62. And Roger Maris's kid walking around saying, this is the true record. Shut up. Your dad is old news. And so are you. You are worthless. 
Shut up, Roger Maris Jr. If I want an opinion on what I should get on my pizza, I'll call you. Otherwise, shut up, Roger Maris Jr. <laughs> I like how we get done with last week and you're like, you know, I might have got a little overboard about Judge. And so now your your answer to that is to light up Roger Maris Jr. Well, his son's being a <laughs> jerk. You know what? Roger Maris has other kids. I don't hear them running around talking a bunch of nonsense. At least he has some intelligent kids. I guess they named this one Roger because he's dumb, just like his dad. <laughs> Good Lord. I don't know. All right, let's move on. Um, Let's get into some of our D-block stuff. Oh, you know leave. what? One more thing. While we're talking about all these people, well, you know, Bonds did it on steroids. McGuire and Sosa did it on steroids. Okay. And Babe Ruth did it before the league was integrated. Are we going to... Are we going to start going back on records and being like, well, you know, that one shouldn't count because they had this advantage. Well, you know, Roger Maris had more games to play than Babe Ruth when he broke his records. So maybe that one shouldn't count either. I had an asterisk on him to begin with. Yeah, and then Major League Baseball realized that was dumb. Major League Baseball's not putting an asterisk next to Barry Bonds. So you know what? That's the all-time home run record in a single season. End of story. Aaron Judge, that, that meme of... The guy spraying champagne in his face, and then it zooms out, and he's so far down the podium. Everyone else is looking, and I'm like, what are you celebrating? I saw that in regards to Aaron Judge hitting 61, and I was like, this is so true. We are celebrating a nothing record. I think it's impressive he's hit 60-plus home runs and not on steroids. I think it's impressive. Mm, We'll see. So you're back to it. We'll see. I'm not saying he's <laughs> on him. I'm just saying we'll Did see. Did last week. I know. That was where I maybe went a little bit overboard. We'll see. Check them bats, right? Check them bats. I bet he's using aluminum in that core. <laughs> All right. Let's move to happier things, uh, at least for a moment. Uh, what's been dominating my life this week? Uh, this weekend, I got out my old Legos on Sunday. And uh, I have a big old Rubbermaid full of them. And uh, the last time I got them out, my girls were younger and actually organized a bunch of them because I'm a nerd. But uh, I still had some cool cars and boats built from back in the day. And then I built a whole new boat then. Uh, So now my son's older and he's really into it. So I had all three kids around the table and me playing Legos a lot yesterday. It was awesome. Even tonight, some before we recorded. And uh, it's fun. It's just really fun. And I... They completely bragging on myself because they have all these cool Legos. Like, and I love the new Lego sets they get because at Christmas when they get them, I'm, I'm excited because I get to build them. Um, man, now some of the, the Peyton's getting old enough that she gets to build some of them, but I still push her out of the way and get to do it. But they have <laughs> cool stuff, but they just make the pieces. So everything's awesome. Back in my day, you had to have a little bit of imagination. And so I love that my kids are so into them. Like they haven't even like their Legos are set up in another room and we're keeping them separate. They, they haven't even gone into their room to play. They think mine are awesome. So I'm, I'm bragging on that. I think that's cool. And uh, I'm reinvigorated into the world of Legos because I have three little brains around me that are being imaginative with them. And they're building, oh, they're building forts. And they're having a war and people are dying. That's, that's the kids I'm raising. And I'm proud of it. All so. right. Future leaders. Yes. They're creating places for death, apparently. So. all right well that is cool though that they're into legos and stuff that is that is cool yeah and even the ones that aren't like 
they don't have to be colored pink for my girls to like them. And that's, that's a good lesson to Legos because all they make anymore, all the brands do it. You don't, everything doesn't have to be pink for girls. It could just be other colors. Sure. What you got? Uh, we can talk about Wrexham here. I don't have much. All right. Um, Did you well, you know what? Some, no, what is oh, dominating yeah? my life? I got something. What uh, is dominating my life is incredible back pain. As I'm recording this podcast, Leland can see me. I've got a heating pad collar on right now. It's still bothering me. I thought me. it was just a fancy jacket. No, I wish it was. Um, like a new fur. I thought you were feeling fancy tonight. Yeah, no, I didn't go kill a mink or anything to make this <laughs> heating pad collar. But... Get some of that Shaq's Icy Hot. I tried on? Icy Hot. Ooh, That's not man. doing I had Icy Hot when I was watching college football at your house. Wasn't doing much. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I did with it or what I did to my back. All I know is I tensed up when a cool wind with rain in it on Friday night blew against me. And when I went to relax, it felt like I had been stabbed. And it has so- not gone away. So, like, Sammy Sosa one time, he sneezed and, like, then was on the IR. And, like, honestly, I sneeze so hard. I get that. Like, I yeah. I feel that. Like, I was like, oh, I get it. But you didn't even sneeze. No. You just, like, winced at the cold breeze. Yep. And, and that was enough to take me out. Um, I, I think I slept maybe four hours Friday night. Um, and it was not continuous four hours. It was a hard four hours. I watched... I was just, it was one of those nights where, like, I'm trying to find something to help me fall asleep. I, w- I tried to watch Whose Line Is It Anyway, and that was a thing where there was, like, I was just in pain, and I'm watching Whose Line Is It Anyway that I haven't watched in, like, decades. And I'm like, why did I ever think this was funny? Like, and it probably didn't help that every time, you know, I tried to move an inch, just searing pain accompanied it. And I'm like, I'm not laughing, and I'm hurting, and I can't fall asleep. Moneyball. Moneyball is my go-to. When it's like 1 o'clock and I still haven't gone to sleep, Moneyball. The music in that, oh, it just gets you. Maybe. But you know what I should Netflix has that moving art thing. I should have watched that. At least I would have had cool visuals while I was in pain. But I got to watch something I've seen before. I can't like go to something new when I'm trying to go to sleep. Oh, I, gotta, I can do it all I the gotta, time. Moneyball I've watched. 50 times. So. I can do it all the time. But yeah, so it's better than it was Saturday. <sighs> Sunday was a big day for recovery. And I thought maybe this morning when I woke up, I was like, you know what? I, I almost don't even feel it. And then about halfway through the day, I was like, now I do. And it's not great tonight. Um, I web MD'd it. I don't <laughs> know what the answer is. What kind of plague do you have? Yeah, that's the good news. I don't think it's a plague, <laughs> but it was like one of them was like, "Oh, it's probably you know a pinched nerve or it could be a strained muscle in this strained area, muscle, or it's yeah, cancer, one of the two, right?" And it's like you know caused by <laughs> stress, and I was like, "Well, good news, that won't go away anytime soon." Then, um, so like when I saw that, I was like, "Well, if that's what's causing it, then this is just the new normal," but. Yeah, I've uh, been. I got a heating collar pad. The person at CVS. I was waiting for the doors to it's open pretty. at CVS. I like it. Yeah, I was waiting for the doors to open at CVS so I could get this, which I found online while I was an insomniac and icy hot. And you know, one of those things where like Saturday morning, the remnants of the hurricane are still there, and she is way too chipper to be at CVS 
at eight in the morning and she's like, Oh my gosh, how are you doing today? And I just put what I'm buying on the counter. She goes, not great. And I was like, that would be correct. Not great. Um, let's talk about Wrexham. You finally got clear. We, we lined up clearly on where we're at. So we are through episode 11. So everybody listening, we've warned you for so many weeks because we never updated it since then. We're through 11. If you don't want to hear any more, get out of here. We'll see you next week. Um, but we've watched all of them through 11, and I kind of wanted to run through a little bit. Um, and I'm going to talk like people have watched it. And I, I like this program because I think it's behind the scenes of owning a soccer team, but also not as in-depth as some of these other ones that are out there that I've seen parts of that I, I mean, I get enough but I kind of like a little more surface to this one to maybe get me in. And I, maybe that's what drive to survive is to a point. Like right. it's up enough that I understand it. And like, this is what two likable guys involved and, and they're bringing an entertainment factor to this that isn't always needed in the show. And we'll hit on that hard in a second, but like, I think it's a good balance. And like you most of the time watch these episodes and you're kind of smiling the whole time. Um, it's not quite Ted Lasso, it's kind of a mixture of a Ted Lasso and a um, and an in-depth soccer behind the scenes thing. And you kind of just pushed it together and it and it's good. I think it's working and uh, I'm enjoying it. And uh, I know we'll hit on some of the certain details of it, but I, generally I like this and I, I want to like it because I generally feel better after watching it each episode. Yes, I agree. There's only been one episode where like at the end of it, it was so bad that I was like, if I have another one of those, I'm out. Um, yeah. You know, they did this whole, like, they took, like, different Americanized shows. They took, like, a late-night show. They took Sports Center, and they took, like, a cooking, like, a daytime cooking talk show, show a cooking yeah. segment. And they, like, talked about whales and the culture of whales and the history of whales, whales. in those topics. And then also brought in the sports with the Sports Center uh, aspect and, like, the top ten goals for the team that year. Like I got what they were doing. I did. I thought that was way. It w- It took a step beyond where it needed to from the entertainment goofy side of stuff. Um, yeah, it wasn't their best, but I thought the rest of it's been good enough to easily make up for that. I've I've really enjoyed it. even these last four episodes. I really thought. Yes, really did the last four episodes finally... have won me back a hundred percent. But that episode, like before, I was like, yeah, this show's okay. But then that wide world of whales, where I was like, look, I could give a bleep about whales as a country. No offense to Wales. I just don't care. And I don't need this. This is not why I'm watching the show. If I want to learn about Wales, I'll go find something on the History Channel or Discovery Network or whatever about Wales. It's not going to be watching you guys tell me about Wales. And they really were full of themselves in that one. Yes. I mean, they, yeah. Now, since then, the next four episodes were great. It was about Ryan and Rob going. Over Finally to there in person. Yeah. Yep. Going to watch games. They went to a road match first and then they came home to Wrexham to watch a match at the race course. And I thought both of those were uh, very good episodes. I thought you got to see, and you know, I want to ask, I know we talked about this briefly, but you know, just to put it on the podcast now, I think one of the things that leaps out to you is I think Rob is a little more like emotionally invested. Whereas Ryan Reynolds is kind of just like, yeah, it's a thing we do. Like there are times uh, where Ryan Reynolds is asking questions and I'm like, I feel like you should know that 
if you're going to own a sock. Well, I also take some of those. I might take some of those more as like they're knowing the cameras there, knowing that like they're using the show to maybe. Maybe, but player. it comes off he's asking, as he's the Columbo question. He knows the answer by that point, but he's he's asking it so he like gets it talked about. Like I think there's a lot of that in this show, so I I'm not gonna hold him. I'm not gonna hold it against them on those kind of things. I I, I do on the front side of these four episodes, the last series episode before that, they really dove into them buying the soccer stadium, which they didn't have in the original agreement, and it was a big mess to get it. Like. That episode really made me wonder, like, did, the, did these guys know what they're getting themselves into? Like, yeah. do they say, oh, here's one that's available, let's go. And, like, there's these these cool little things about it. It's the oldest international stadium and this and that. Like, we can really use that and that'll be fun. And, like, I just wonder, like, that, that episode made me was like, I think they bit off more than they can chew. I mean, they've already replaced the turf. Twice. Uh, yeah. Which, yeah, twice. They've invested in bigger players. They had to hire a new coach. And then, like, now this whole stadium deal was just – such a fiasco where they had to wait and wait and wait and wait. It's just crazy. But like, yeah, I, I do agree with you coming back to, I do think Rob is the more emotionally invested one, but I think they've, they've led that into that the whole time where like they started this show, talking about how big an Eagles fan he was. And I, I just don't think Ryan Reynolds has that equivalent in his life. So like um, uh, Rob knew what it took. He knew he knows I and mean, they, they paired it this way. They he knows what obsessive fans are because he is one for the Eagles. So he knew with these Wrexham fans and how soccer's built in England, especially with these type of teams, like that obsession from the team, like he has a level of understanding of that. So I think that's a big part of it too, is that I think he's able to dump himself into that kind of caring more than Ryan is, the Canadian who lives in LA that, <laughs> you know, has probably never been emotionally invested in a sports team in his life. Right. No, I think that's very true. Um, and I, you can see that even when they're watching the games together or separately. Uh, but I, I just think the other episode that I thought was fantastic was episode 10. Uh, oh, yeah. Which is kind of a breakdown. And it was the of, less cheery one. <laughs> it was uh, of, you know, hooligans and, and soccer hooligans and how that's kind of a a major thing over in Great Britain. Um, you yeah. know, it's in England. They really it's, dove into it. It's not, I, I know if you're watching it, you're like, oh, maybe it's, you know, it's really in Europe. But um, you're like, wow, these people are, you know, acting insane. And it, it is. It's a problem in all of Europe. Every single major soccer team that you have heard of has this kind of problem as well. Like, it is... Whereas in America, like, we're like, oh, you know, maybe don't go to Philadelphia and outwardly root against the team from Philadelphia because... Go to a Dodgers-Giants game. Yeah. yeah, and root for the Giants. Yeah, don't do that. Like, whereas, like, I've been an Orioles fan at Texas, didn't feel threatened once. I've been an Orioles fan in D.C., didn't feel threatened once. Uh, you know, I, I have been to places... I at WVU as a Tech fan, but... Yeah. Not it, you know, but in a lot of other places, yeah. But over in England, like, that's something you just don't do. Like, because there is going to be a real threat to you. Like, I, I've Even listened... Even if you for the same team, you're going to get... I mean, they have... Well, yeah, that's what happened there. to this guy, which I thought was really interesting. Um, but, you know, I've listened to people who go over there and are fans of English soccer teams and have traveled over there and have podcasts and they talk about it and they're like, look, like, 
one guy is a Chelsea fan and he wanted to get a drink. Uh, they were going to watch them play Watford and he wanted to get a drink first and before the game in a pub. And he goes to go in this pub and the owner goes, look, for your safety, do not come in here wearing that. Like you won't oh. make it out of the pub. And so like he didn't go into that pub. And then uh, they were talking about when they went to, an, I, I can't remember the match they went to, but it was another road match. And he said, they have police escorts, like police on horseback, have the visiting fans enclosed and surrounded by police in horseback as they get an escort from the bus stop with the away supporters to the stadium yeah, for their safety. Like, that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about like, oh, you're going to, you know, have some, you know, mean trash talk. Some things might be said. You might get beer poured on you. Like, this, if you get beer poured on you, that's a good day. Like, these people are insane. I'm not saying I like it. I, I actually think it's the unhealthy side of sports. But it is, I think, watching that episode, you get a taste of it. And you can see kind of the the darkest days of hooliganism and it's, it's still very rampant today. Like it's still a huge thing today and it's not good. Yeah. It, it was a really good episode. They focused, you know, early they're kind of moving around and talking about hooliganism and all that around like what we're talking about, but then they really dig in and they, they have this guy here, they're talking to him. And I mean, he's like, I am a hooligan. Like, you know, I work this crap job and this is like, I go to these games on the weekends and it's like my release time of all like my negativity comes out and it's like, Oh wow, this guy's being honest. And then they have his girlfriend and it's like, she's dating him and she's living with this and she doesn't even understand the concept of what he's doing. And like, I, the fact that they're together, I just a bizarre thing to me. Yeah. When she says, when she tells the story about not getting a detective job because of him, yeah, I would have been like, that would have been, I'd have called it there. I'd have called it there. That would have been it. And she's like, if he gets in trouble with the law again for acting like this, then we're done. I'm like, then? Like, oof. Yeah, it was just crazy. It was, I, but the, I really appreciate the honesty from that. And, like, even the dude, like, as messed up as he is, I appreciate him being on the show and being honest about it and, like, being real. Um, and her, too. Like, I appreciated seeing that because, like, you don't get that on a lot of a lot of shows, I don't think. Like, People are more guarded than that, and these people are really open. So I, I appreciate that. I, that really stood out to me in this whole series so far out of 11 episodes. That, that really stood out. Uh, another moment that really stood out to me, going back an episode when Rob and Ryan are doing all their events when they're in England, and they're meeting with the different people and doing these different things. They had this one time where they're meeting with, like, volunteers. And, like, the one volunteer that just sat there and very, pol- you know, polite about it, but, like, told them what they thought, what she thought they were doing wrong and who they had hired that was wrong. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, I, I don't know. I think that's like, that's the kind of person you maybe want to have being more than a volunteer. Like someone that has, that sees this movie star and TV star come in front of you and she's going to be truthful about where she's working and what she cares about and that she's spending her, volunteering her time for. You know, she's spending for it. And uh, I, I was really impressed with her. Uh, that was a, another moment that stuck out to me. But I think even in those episodes where they're talking to the supporters, right, and the volunteers and staff, you could see the different levels and different factions within that fan base 
that yeah. I thought, and they touch they touch on different kind of types of fans in the hooligan yeah. thing too, which is not what I'm talking about. But like the people who think the coach isn't working versus the people that are like, you got to give him more time, and yeah. it's these players that have to go. And well, those players are never going to be good in this system because this coach has, has this system. And then the people who look at other things is like, you know, we need to have pride. And this is, you know, we're so glad you were able to buy the stadium and blah, blah, blah. And are you guys, even now, like they're going to face, and they're going to face this, honestly, until they're out of that league, they're going to face this. Are you serious? Are you in this for the long haul? And I think in this last episode, you kind of, I think serious is I, I don't really have questions serious. I think Lawn Hall, I would still say serves. Right. Serves a question. But I think the other thing is that's interesting too is even this episode where uh the guy who they've put in charge of I, I guess kind of being their GM in the equivalent of American sport role, uh, is saying we have a decision to make at the January transfer window, which is kind of like the halfway point of the year are we going to buy more players or are we going to fire our coach? Because the coach yeah. says he needs more players to get promoted, but he's underachieving with what he's got. And yeah. so they kind of give the coach an ultimatum. They're like, we've got to be in a better spot by the January transfer window. than we, where we are right now. And yeah. they do that for now. The coach is going to keep his job. Um, I, I I like that he's going to keep his job. I'd have felt I'd have felt a little rough about it, I guess, if they were quick to fire him. If I viewed it, if it was presented to me in a way that seemed like they were quick to fire him, I thought them kind of giving it that things but, might get turned up. But I, Leland, I appreciated. in all honesty, in a sport like European soccer, where promotion and relegation is such a huge part, and that makes or breaks a budget, like I get it. It's not the same as America. And that's something that Amer- I think is going to be hard for American sports fans to realize. When I tell you that there are coaches in England who don't even last a full year before they get fired from the team, that's why. Because a team yeah. is going to try to do whatever they can to avoid getting relegated. Or if they're in a lower league and needs to get promoted, if they feel like they spent a bunch of money on players to get promoted and it's not working out and they're going to lose their tail on their investment, they will fire somebody in a heartbeat to make sure that doesn't happen. And so, and, and you, you hear the GM say, like, budget? yeah, you hear the GM say, like, look, we're already over the salary budget that we said at the beginning of the year. This is how much more he wants. If we don't get promoted, you know, we can keep paying these guys as long as you want to keep spending money, but you're going to be losing millions and millions of dollars in doing so. Yeah. I appreciate for these guys that do did like increase the budget coming in and have the means to do so. Um, I appreciate that behind that wasn't just knee jerk reaction at this, at this stage. I'm glad things went the way it needed to for that. Cause they did some win in here down the stretch before the January transfer time to make that. So I think otherwise it wouldn't have been day. I think it would have been presented differently that way, but I, I, I like that he's still going to be there. I have not, I, you know, on purpose, I'm not Googling this team or anything. I don't, I'm going to know what this show tells me about this team, uh, I guess, until the end of this season. So, um, I don't know. I like that. And apparently they just added a good player. So I'm, I'm eager to see, I think 
there's like another six episodes or whatever it is coming. And I'm, I'm really eager to, to watch those. Cause I, these last four were really good. And I think, you know, the other aspect of that too, Leland is, I think the GM alludes to it. This isn't all in. If we do this and give him the players he wants, but it's pretty close. And I think you yeah. can tell, like they're on the razor's edge of losing money to the point they where it's really not going to be get that coach too, though. Like they, they kind of had to, make okay. But you also have to admit when you've made a mistake yeah. and when it's going to determine when he's saying all in to me, what I hear there is the breaking point where it's not financially viable for you to keep owning this team and spending that money. And so the good thing, the good thing that they've already done though, is getting that stadium in their possession for and, the club. Yes. They have these plans on on the place for the stadium and stuff like even if they cut and run early, like and that's no one wants that. Everybody, you know, they say they're in for the long haul and all that. And I, as a person watching, I don't want them to cut and run early, whether they keep doing the show or not. I don't want that to happen. Uh, I do think they've like made the trajectory of this franchise positive, even even if the winning in games doesn't happen right now. They've like secured the like they've they've created a package here that can survive better than it was. It wasn't going to survive the way it was before. So like, I think no matter what, they've already done something positive for this team for the, for, for the long haul. And so I, I appreciate that out of them. Sure. But I, I, I would say to you, like after this season is over, go on Netflix, watch Sunderland till I die. Cause it, it, it does an even better job in my opinion of showing you like the, at a higher level, the problems when you get when things don't go the way you need them to go yeah. this season. And you can I'm see I'm not minding the Ted Lasso feeling though I get here. So I'm I'm okay. <laughs> well, but what I'm saying is on that show, like you see like this this new owner come in, spend a bunch of money to get them promoted back to the Premier League, and they don't get promoted back to the Premier League, and all of a sudden he he can't afford owning the team anymore. He's got to sell it. Like so that's my thing here of like, okay, you kept the coach and it looks now what we don't know is if they give him the players he wants in addition to that. Well, they got the one. Yeah, they do allude that to that. But if they don't get promoted. Are we talking one more year? Yeah. And then uh, they yeah, need to yeah, get yeah, a promotion yeah. or they're out because if then like, yeah, maybe this guy isn't going to be your coach then. Like you need to make yeah. sure you get it right. It just seemed, I, I just had the feeling, I think it's because that was the way it presented to me. It just seemed like half a season wasn't enough. So I'm, I'm glad he's staying for now. I'm, I'm not saying he has to coach there until he dies, but I, I'm glad he's kind of going to have a, a better chance to, to do this. Um, God, I thought of something right in the middle of that, and I, I lost it. I don't know. I like it. If people haven't watched it and have still are still listening to us, I think it's still wa- worth watching to – because I think a lot of the show is really well done. You might skip episode seven, but I think it's really well done. Yeah, you absolutely skip episode seven. You you learn nothing unless you're into oh, Wales geez. and you want to know more about Welsh culture and Welsh history. Then watch it. But if you if you don't have any interest in that, skip Wide World of Wales. Go on to episode eight, and uh, you'll enjoy the show more. But again, if you're if you're into that and you want to know like the sports business side. And, and how these clubs kind of, honestly, in my opinion, that is one of the things I like about English soccer or European soccer in general 
compared to American sports, I like more is, you know, there is real punishment. Like when American sports leagues are like, we want to get rid of tanking. I'm like, you don't really want to get rid of tanking. Cause if you did, there's an easy solution. You do what they do over in Europe with soccer. You make it financially not viable to tank. Cause if you tank over in the premier league, you're going down. And if you go down, you are leaving hundreds of millions of dollars on the table that you just flat out lose. So the Pittsburgh Pirates owner would not be making money on what he's doing. The Orioles the past few years would not have made money based on what they were doing. It's just not something you would do. Cleveland Browns owner would have been sold that team a decade ago. Like, you just don't make money if you're not good in those sports. It's not something that happens. And so you see Sunderland Till I Die is what I would recommend um, too, because you really see the impact that has. Yeah. And why it's important for these soccer clubs to do well in these communities and how, how many jobs even are tied to the club in those communities. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I'm glad we finally get to talk about it. Uh, there's going to be some more episodes this week, so we're going to watch them, talk about them next week. So if you, like I said, if you aren't caught up on them and you want to be for this conversation for next week, catch up. We're going to watch them. Anything that's available as of Friday night this week, we will watch it and talk about it next week. And we will also talk about all the great high school football, high school sports that are happening next week here in Augusta County, as we have a lot of all the local teams playing each other. We have three great games uh, going on this weekend, or at least two great games uh, going on. And we'll be back next week to break them down. Make sure your friends know where to find us at Yak Sports Pod uh, on Twitter and Facebook, or email us at yaksportspod at gmail.com. And where I was saying for your friends, make sure they know they can find us on Podbean, Apple, Google, or Spotify. And we're here every week talking about the sports that matter to you, the Augusta County sports fan. We'll be back next week. Joe Deck and Leela McRae back with you next week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.